Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, March 19th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hello. And Miss Stephanie Cook. Bonjour. Welcome, everybody, back to another Talking Comics Podcast. This week on the show, we are going to be doing some listener questions, talking about our books of the week, and going over some of the sales numbers mm. for February 2014. 14. But before we get there, um, so how was the radio show on Thursday, Bob? I think it went rather well. <laughs> we managed to have a, a nice conversation, kept it mostly general, didn't get too comic booky to the regular audience out there, and hopefully grabbed some listeners for our end of things. And Steve and Stephanie were both very, very interesting and <laughs> persuasive. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> when Steve decided to show up... <laughs> oh yeah, you were late, right? Picking yeah, up your girlfriend. Late. Yes, I was, I was picking up my girlfriend from the airport. We came straight there. Whatever, diva. <laughs> he made an entrance. It was yeah. great. No, it was fun. It was a good time. Um, they were, you know, <laughs> it was interesting. It was interesting to be in that type of setup. Like I haven't seen equipment like that mm-hmm. in a long time. Mm-hmm. And just to see the guy fiddling with all the dials and like every little sound that crept into the room, he's like, you know, scrambling to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, more modern equipment kind of, you know, equals everything mm-hmm. out. And so just to see him mm-hmm. going through such a fuss to make sure it all ran smoothly uh, was entertaining. And the questions were really good. Thank you. Oh, it worked out fairly well. We only got to about a third of them. True. So there's always next time. We I think we will be asked back, and you nice. get to come next time. I right? will, hope, hopefully. I'm like yeah. I'm like some other excuse not to be there. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> well, we'd, some... have, we'd have gotten the big room if we were all there. Oh. We'd have gotten the, Sorry, the conference guys. room instead of yeah. a room that's the size of your bathroom. Oh, okay. Um, I think some really cool things were said though. Mm. Stephanie, you know, Bob and myself, and it was just uh, it was a good time. It was fun. Nice. No problems technically with getting Stephanie in. Uh, Steph. No. Well, at first there was. At first there was because. Their studio, this there are still reel-to-reel tape decks, giant banks oh, of wow. them. <laughs> it's stuff with dials. It's mm-hmm. analog, old-fashioned, which it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I actually read the promo for one of the other shows. I want to do one of the hand-over-the-ears Gary <laughs> Owens laughing things. It's the, it's the kind of vibe it was. It was pretty awesome. But we couldn't contact Stephanie without that going over the air, too. Because oh. they were doing the promos on the computer. So it would have been, hi, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that would have... Gotcha. Apparently... Um, like Hugh, he was uh, sending me DMs on Twitter there for a while, like while he was listening to the show, you know, across the pond. And 
there was like a couple things where we went to break and I was still on air and you could hear Bob being like, that was great. (laughs) 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 And like at the end of the show, you know, Bob's like, bye Steph. (laughs) He was like, oh, Bob's saying bye to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah. He sent me a message. He was like, are you okay, man? He's like, why aren't you there? (laughs) Like, I'm fine. I really, really appreciate it. He's always looking out. Yeah. He is always looking out. Good man. Yeah, so that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, on the radio, I guess you can't hear it anymore now. I think it is still up. If you go to the wusb.fm website, mm-hmm. I discovered though, if you have an ancient laptop like mine, it's a problem. Oh, really? It lo- hmm. it won't load through a Windows Media okay. viewer. You can do it through iTunes. Okay. All right, cool. That's good to know. Almost everyone has iTunes. Yeah, it's true. Except me, but yeah. <laughs> or iTunes or Real Player. Real Player. Oh my God, Real Player. Like 1999. I haven't heard those words together in ages. I've got to watch a 100 by 100 <laughs> video trailer. <laughs> well, it's just oh, it's got a, uh, a tag at the end of it. It's a PLS file mm-hmm. or okay, whatever. I, yeah, it's kind of ancient yeah. even for me. Real player. <laughs> Real we hardly player. knew ye. Yeah, I know. So check that out if you guys if you guys still want to check that out. If you have if iTunes obviously it won't be a problem. But yeah, that was awesome. I got to listen to a little bit of it because I was going to like a work event. And right before we, when we were pulling in, you guys just started, so I turned it on. It was very, it was very cool. It was cool to hear it on the radio, right? It was cool to hear it on the radio. We yeah. were, we were listening as I was driving there. Mm-hmm. We were listening to it on the radio, and so I'm like, I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, in, yeah. in just like <laughs> two minutes, I'm gonna be in the room where this is coming out of. Yeah. It's so strange. So you heard all the bad things Bob and I were saying about you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll 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 talk after after the show. <laughs> you oh and no! Oh yeah! Oh, oops! That's no. right. That's right. Yeah. Gone to commercial my ass. We <laughs> we thought talking on the radio would be private. But people were listening. Uh, oh, we we did manage to be cuss free. I have to I have to say that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, nice. And I feel like I was pretty coherent, like you know, busting out proper words and stuff. Yes, <laughs> proper words. You represented yeah. well. All right. <laughs> Only lunged a couple of times. <laughs> yes, and I didn't even tell anyone about it. I could see them too. Like they had video on. I didn't turn my video on because mm. no. But I could see them all talking and Look at that. making faces at each other. <laughs> awesome. There's a lot of arm waving going on, <laughs> little hand signals to the other room. Mm. But uh, fun. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Uh, so uh, let's talk about some sales numbers. Ooh. So we just got the numbers for February 2014, and overall it was a down month again. Um, for the industry, I think it was down overall. I think it was five percent, five percent, four percent unit. Yeah, so not a huge drop, but enough. Um, hopefully, we see a bounce back in the in the months ahead. But it's weird because, especially this month, because it, it there was a lot of number ones that premiered a lot of Marvel number ones, and usually yeah. that equals a jump in sales, but not this time. Um, the uh, number one book will not surprise anyone. It was Batman number twenty eight. Uh, at 114,000. Uh, number two was Forever Evil, number five, 92,000. Uh, Wolverine, number one, which this is why they do this, yeah. um, at 89,000 uh, units. Uh, let me say, move this little thing here. Uh, sorry, 88,000 units, but almost 89. Uh, Superior Spider Man, number 27 point now, 86,000. Justice League, number 28 at 80,000. Superior Spider-Man number 28 at 75,000. Then we have uh, the Fantastic Four, number one at 65,000. Two 
uh, issues of The Walking Dead at number eight and nine, 65,000 and 64,000, and all new X-Men number 23 at 64,000. Dropping out of the top 10 was Harley Quinn, uh, number three at 63,000, and then followed up by many things that say Batman, Avengers, um, and (laughs) X-Men after it. Um, The Punisher number one, another new number one from Marvel, debuted at 54,000. the Batman Joker's daughter one shot that came out uh, written by Marguerite Bennett at 51,000 hmm. um, X-Force number one at 47,000 uh, new oh, sorry Miss Marvel sorry Miss Marvel was at number number 24 on the list uh, 50,000 units yeah, sold. That's a great debut for Miss Marvel really. It, it is. Nice Very good. Um, we've got New Warriors number one was 45,000 um, Loki and She-Hulk both around 41,000 so you know, not huge debuts for for a lot of the number ones. You know, nice debuts for the the kind of I think level characters that they were. But you have to add them all together. I think though, mm-hmm. a lot of people were gonna have to pick and choose once we got to second issues, maybe. Right. So it's all sample everything. So that cuts all of it down a little bit, I would think. Hmm. Yeah, but the only thing is, like, I don't think you're gonna see any of these books sales numbers go up next no, month. No. They're all gonna drop. So well, Punisher dropped to thirty one. For right its for issue. its second issue, uh, the Lois Lane one shot, which we all liked, you know, v- very much, was at twenty one. Very disappointing. 000. Disappointing. It's a five dollar book, though, so I'm sure that kept some people away, you know, as well. Um, Tomb Raider had about eighteen thousand. Um, so uh, that was Gail Simone's new book. Turok Dinosaur Hunter was actually the best new number one of any of the indie books at thirty thousand. Uh, that's a Greg Pak book for I believe it's Dynamite. Um, so, Bobby, any, any stories of this that you wanted to talk about? Sure. The movement is <laughs> down to 6.4 thousand. It's number nine. So it only went down 4%. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, people are not deserting the sinking ship. They are sort of falling off the sides a little bit. What do we got? One more? Two more? It goes to 12. Hmm. So two more. It, 10 just came out. So 10 just came got, out. Got okay. two more to go. And the story is apparently wrapping up, according to Gail. The biggest sales jump on the list... Up a staggering 350%. Legendary number two went to 14,000. <laughs> Steph, what did you do? <laughs> you know, shook my fist a little bit. Okay. I thought it was us, maybe, because we mentioned the book a couple of times. <laughs> but no, huh? No, I don't think so. But it was, did he do an appearance for it or something, maybe? <laughs> no, actually, I don't think so. Interesting. I don't think. That's a very large jump yeah. from month to month. Yeah. Yeah. For, for Three and a half times what it sold the month before mm-hmm. is pretty staggering. Yeah. What well, I go ahead. Yeah, no. I don't know. I don't honestly have any explanations for that. <laughs> magic. Magic. It's the magic of steampunk. Very trickery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes it sound like it's an illusion, Michael. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what next month says, and then we'll, if it goes back down three hundred and fifty percent, we'll go. Oops. Yeah. It found its level. <laughs> I really found fascinating that the distaff side of DC's books mm-hmm. all are hovering in the cancellation range. I mean, Wonder Woman not, but it's it continues to lose a couple of points every month. It's down to 31, so it's actually now, I guess, below where it was when they relaunched. But Catwoman's down to 23. Batwoman to 20, lost 8%. Uh, Birds of Prey to 18, lost nearly 7. It's like, what's going on over there? I feel like I'm listening to the draft picks. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, draft's coming. Like, oh, no, Batman. And then, Batman you know, wonder, this uh, Lois Lane right in the middle of uh, right. that sort of pack. It's as if that's the number, mm-hmm. sort of the, the level that those books are finding. Yeah, you wonder too because they're 
most of those books, uh, other I think really than Catwoman, you're talking about pretty well received titles exactly right, as yeah. well. I, I mean, you know, like we've always been saying, like regardless of the way it treats the character is not the way that we want it to be. But the Wonder Woman run is like is hugely heralded by like every comic book site in the world, you know. Yep. So it's weird that that book doesn't sell, you know, better. I, you know, I don't I don't know what what the answer is with, with, with those with those titles. Um, you know, the answer is just to put keeping out putting out quality stuff and hoping something you know breaks that mm-hmm. you know that, that 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 kind of that precipice i guess or that 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 kind of seemingly weird ceiling that th- those books tend to have i mean with the help obviously of, of superman being on the title superman wonder woman is about 45,000 i believe steadily has steadily been declining but it's still doing respectable numbers yep. but again that's uh, that's a team book it's not single a single book uh, we'll have to see what happens with all this stuff i mean again it's funny because we have it always seems to be in this little area, and this is going off of the female stuff and off of DC in general. But the Deadpool books, both both twenty three and twenty four, sold forty one thousand, and then Night of the Living Deadpool sold thirty eight thousand. So it's pretty crazy. That's like you know, a hundred and ten thousand Deadpool books <laughs> sold in a month, and it just it always does that. You know, they always tend to just hit hit those numbers. Nothing up in the top ten, but always kind of running around those numbers. The Spider-Man double feature is impressive too. Mm. Month after month, you get two Spider-Mans in the top 10. Yeah, always and always seem to be right around each other. One of these was higher this month, and I think because of the fact that it was a Point Now book, so more people decided to check it out because they thought it was jumping on point. But you know, most of the time, they're right around each other. They're usually around 80, 90,000. They're just locked in step together. I love the Deadpool. I guess it was a Point Now or whatever mm. it was, where above the number one, it was a little thing, a little logo. I think tacos are number one. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> it's a good sense of humor. Uh, the the trade paperback stuff, uh, Lock and Key, Volume 6, the hardcover, Alpha Omega, was the number one uh, collection of the month, uh, selling about 4500 uh, Then it was Fatal, Volume 4, Adventure Time, Volume 4, Invincible, Volume 19, Saga, Volume 1, uh, Star-Lord Annihil- Annihilation Conquest at number 6, the Infinity Hardcover at number 7, my Little Pony, uh, Tales, Volume 2 at number 8. Revival, Volume 3, A Faraway Place at number 9. And at number 10, Flash, Volume 2, Rogue's Revolution. Followed very, very closely um, by Saga, Volume 2 at number 11. Upset. Where are all the Walking Deads? I don't know. One must not have come out this month. Because when one comes out, they all fly to gotcha. the top of the, the thing again. Did the new season just begin? Uh, we're in the midst of it oh, okay. at, this, at, at this time. Do you still watch it? No. I okay. do not. I haven't watched it since season two. That's yeah, that's when I stopped. Okay, <laughs> I did. I did the same the same thing and stopped watching. Uh, apparently, though, it got better season three. I guess they were saying. But yeah, I heard that too. I just I, I never got back into it. Um, I know last week, last month, they did this too. But uh, the, I have the comicsology stuff in front of me. And obviously, this is just for this week. It's not monthly, so it's a little bit different. But um, Walking Dead number one twenty three is the, is their top selling book. Um, then it's Annihilation Silver Surfer, number one, which... Mm, oh, that's random. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, Batman, number 29. Uh, Injustice Year 2, number 5. All-New X-Men, number 24. Hawkeye, number 17. Superior Spider-Man, number 29. Clone, number 1. Um, that was It's cheaper, that's probably why. Um, Superman Wonder Woman, uh, number 6. And C- Captain Marvel, number 1. Yeah, are those are the, the top ten? I believe that just ten. Yes. Okay. So those are the top ten on Comicsology. Some stuff very much the same, and some kind of odd, you know, yeah. inserts there. 
as well. And we'll see how that matches up as we, as we go farther, farther on. Um, so that's it for the sales uh, for this week. Let's talk about some books that we, we really, really liked. <laughs> I suppose the ones we didn't really No, like. we don't want to talk about the ones we didn't really like. Enthusiasm. Sorry, I'm, I still have um, like vacation brain going on right now. I was away for the weekend in Boston, so oh. my, Boston. my brain is still... I had this most amazing meal like ever. We went out to this place. It was all-you-can-eat sushi and hot pot, they call it. It's like a Vietnamese thing. Uh, it's they, You order it, and you basically you order a, a flavor broth. Um, they bring it to you, and they put it on your table. They have like a range in the middle of the, the table, mm. and they heat it up to a certain degree. And then you order just you know pieces of meat, seafood, vegetables, and you cook it in. It's like, kind of like the melting pot. It's fondue, but Ooh. soup. But it's not like oil. It's, it's actually like broth. Wow. And you put it in there, and you boil it in the broth. And it's, it was $30 a person. And it was all you can eat on this stuff. Only thing was, if they didn't end up charging us, I think, because it was our first time there. But if you anything you don't eat, they charge you for, so they don't overorder and waste the food. Oh. Um, but it was crazy. I mean, they're talking about we're talking plates of like, you know, it's very thinly cut, so it cooks and like instantly. But it's chicken and beef and pork and shrimp and scallops and calamari and also there was great sushi as well. It was awesome, awesome, awesome wow. place. What was it called? Um. It was called Van, Van Shubu, and it was in. It's actually in Dorchester, which is a suburb of, of Boston. Mm. But it was awesome. Sounds uh, delicious. Villain. Yeah. Van, yeah. Van Shubu. Definitely Hydra. Yeah, you again. <laughs> it was Baron Van Shubu. Von Shubu. Yeah. So Stephanie, tell me, why is Bandette number six your book of the week? Oh, spoilers! No, I'm kidding. Why is that? Why is that a spoiler? I don't know. We're talking about books of the week. I know. Um, so obviously we talked a lot about the first volume of Bandette near the end of the year. I think uh, Bob was really pushing it after, you know, he had gotten into it or was I pushing it? And then you both pushed it. You pushed it and I, I had to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all wound up falling in love with it for those of us who read it. And um, I think at the very beginning of, I want to say February, the sixth issue of Bandette came out uh, that starts the second part, or yeah, the second part of the story. Um, and I loved it. Like, it, it's just all the same charm, you know, that captured us in the first one and continued on. Um, it's obviously still a continuation of the story. Uh, in the first part, we met Bandette, we met the people that are helping her, and you know, be the master thief she is. And we get a good sense of, you know, her kind of personal philosophies and, uh, you know, just who she is and what she does, which is basically she's a really, you know, darling thief. <laughs> um, and Bob likes to say presto. Presto indeed. <laughs> um, go ahead. Yeah. And the second volume, like, it, it's just... You know, the first, uh, I'm just using words like volume a lot, but, you know, uh, we were left with, you know, there was some attempts made on Bandette's life, and dun, dun, dun. a challenge was issued, uh, and the repercussions of the challenge and... <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just. <laughs> I'm excited because I liked it too, and I didn't even know until I got your email that there was a sixth issue out. So yeah. I'm, I'm just excited to hear you talk about it. The way you're talking about it is making me laugh. <laughs> um, you know, 
so she's the challenge kind of lays the groundwork for um this following issue and it was just so much fun you know bendette doesn't really she kind of she's a thief for kind of the sake of it like she doesn't really necessarily need the money or anything she just kind of likes being a rascal you know a rapscallion hmm. and you know at the beginning of this she's in a bakery and you know, the, the smells and she's looking at the foods and she doesn't have any cash with her but she's a thief and she's just stole this grecian urn this beautiful priceless grecian urn and she's like i will trade this for seven of your pastries you know to her this priceless urn is worth you know seven homemade pastries it has a price exactly and i just think that's so fun like she doesn't care like she just wants to enjoy her life with the things she you know acquires <laughs> less than legally absolutely and I just love the whole book. I love the art by Colleen Coover. And Paul Tobin's writing on this book is superb. Like, I think – I haven't read a ton of his stuff before, but I think it's one of his best because it's just – it oozes so much fun and personality. Like, it's just an original story with fun characters, and it's great. I, um, I concur. I read this on Comicology this morning. Oh my goodness! Did you really? Yes, I did. These are words I never thought I'd ever hear. Yeah. No. <laughs> isn't this isn't this your second foray into this? Yes, yes ah. it was. But I, I now that as you said, Steve, knowing there was one, I had to I had to read it. I had to acquire it. Now is it part two or is it just number six? Number six. And is it monthly? Um, the Bandit's never really been like monthly. I think they initially aimed for it to be monthly, but it's kind of when they get it done. Okay. Um, but it, it, the first volume is available um, through Dark Horse, uh, mm -hmm. collected in physical form. But if you want the single issues uh, for the first volume or for uh, uh, issue six, it's only available on Comixology right now through uh, the publisher Monkey Brain. Issue six was all of 99 cents, by the way. Really? Yeah, they yep. they do a good job with with that stuff. That's fantastic. So, what what did you think of the issue, Bob? I just absolutely love it. It is charming and just wonderful. The writing, the dialogue is translated oddly, which is what makes it so affecting. It is as if you're you ever buy an imported record album and the lyrics have been translated from English to Japanese hmm. and back again, and it's just off slightly enough that it's just absolutely wonderful in that it evokes France and Belgium and, and all these things. We have the, the 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 title of this one is Steelers Keepers, <laughs> which tells you kind of all you need to know. There is an interesting team up in this one, right, Steph? Yes. Which you'd never expect. Ha ha ha! Bum ba bum. Exactly. Twists and turns. Yeah. <laughs> danger, danger. And, and, and Bandette's also worrying about you know things, uh, the little kitten in the store and so on. But go pet the cat a little bit, otherwise it'll grow restless and will <laughs> because that is the way of cats and of women and thieves. I love that, you know, the follow-up question is, well, what do I do now? Oh. Nothing. The cat's going to get restless. Right. <laughs> it just goes down those roads. I, I also love the multiple references to they live. I came here to chew bubble gum. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> two, two or three of those in, in different spots in the book was just so funny. I love, without really wanting to terribly spoil this joke, 
I, Bandette, also have something up my sleeve. <laughs> oh, a candy bar. I forgot I had those. <laughs> Bandette and her sleeves are on the prowl. Mm-hmm. She just carries on. She is just enjoying her life immensely. And it so translates to when you read it, you just, you just want more. You want to embrace her and just keep, yeah, there should be more of these. Six is just not nearly enough. Shenanigans. It sounds, it sounds wonderful. Uh, I was gonna say, Stephanie, you mentioned that her trading the, the Price's Artifact for pastries. Hmm. Another quick sidebar story from, from Boston. Bobby's Boston weekend. Yeah, yeah, this all, but it, it relates. So we <laughs> went out to dinner with, uh, Karen and I went out to dinner with our friends uh, Brad and his fiance Scott, and the, uh, we had a very nice dinner, and they very, very graciously paid for the dinner at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we decided we we're going to get pastries afterwards at, at this place called Mike's in the north end of Boston, which is a really fantastic, fantastic bakery. And we're in there, and I was, you know, we were like, we'll get the pastries, don't worry about it. And they're like, oh, we're going to get a lot. And I was like, it's okay, it's like the least we can do, uh, whatever. So we get up there, and there's so much great stuff. I mean, it's amazing stuff. We got these giant eclairs and, you know, uh, cheesecake and uh, like a brownie and um, all of this stuff and two pounds of rainbow cookies. What? Wow. Yeah, which because Brad said, we, I got one pound and it, which just wasn't enough. And then we got two pounds and it, literally it was like 30 rainbow cookies <laughs> for four people. I was like, I think this is probably enough rainbow yeah. cookies Ooh. for us. Don't be stupid, Bobby. <laughs> and there was this thing called a, a lobster claw, which is basically like, it's I like it. it's like hard pastry, like you know, and the inside it's cream in the on the inside. Oh. And, it's cannoli cream. Yeah, it's cannoli yeah. cream in the yeah. middle. And what what they do there is they dip it in chocolate, <gasps> so it keeps like the hardness of the outside mm. of the shell. The shell never softens from the inside of the cream. Uh, is it's, I'm talking, it's huge. I'm talking like like the size of a football, like in lengthwise. <laughs> That's how big it was. Um, amazing, amazing. So all this stuff gets packed up, and we thought about getting more, like, cannolis and stuff. We're like, this is plenty. There was a ton of food in front of us. We're like, okay. I was like, how much? She goes, $69. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I handed over the money, and I walked away, and Brad turned to me. and goes, I told you it was going to be a lot. And I was like, I don't think anyone who wasn't planning a party <laughs> has ever spent $70 yeah. on pastries before. <laughs> That's so not true. <laughs> my One of my best friends, Liz, she's mm. like, the tiniest person I know, like she's tall, but she's skinny, like so skinny. She's a vegetarian, but what she doesn't eat in meat, she winds up eating in like cupcakes. <laughs> and nice. every time like we go to a bakery together, you know, I get one cupcake and like, I love cupcakes, but one is enough because they're gigantic. And she's like, I'll take two dozen. <laughs> and like, I'm like, who are you buying these for? <laughs> and you know, she's like, oh, my mom and dad, my mom and dad, my mom and dad, they'll love them. And then, you know, like, I know she's picking out her favorite cupcakes. And then all of a sudden, like, I'll look at her and be like, for your mom and dad, she's like, I'll get a vanilla for my dad and um, that one for my mom. And I'm like, so you're giving your parents two of them. <laughs> 11 cupcakes for her. <laughs> yeah. So. so I think it was a lot of pastries and they, it was worth it, though. They were delicious. <laughs> They were awesome. Sometimes you just have to binge sometimes, on good baked goods. Sometimes you do. Let me ask you this. Yeah. The rainbow cookies. Yeah. So I take my rainbow cookies very yeah. seriously. Was it just the different colored layers or did in each layer, did they have another layer of like raspberry jam? There was like jam stuff in the middle of yeah. it. Yeah. They were really good. They're not as good as New York rainbow cookies. That's right. They just did not have that certain like something. Mm. You hear that, Boston? That certain... <laughs> that certain... 
something. Je ne sais quoi. Exactly. So they exactly. Got black and white no, cookies up there? Uh, I don't know. If they, I think they did have black and white cookies there. I did not have one. Um, I don't want to go. I don't go up there for that kind of stuff. I'm not, I mean, I, I live in the place for that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't go up there and have bagels or pizza either. Uh, so Stephanie, you talked about Ben Dead. Is there any other books that you want to talk about? I do. Um, because you didn't send me an email with of, it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> because I Hanging was me out to dry. being productive on things and I meant to read this weekend and got sidetracked actually doing things, you know, for work. Mm-hmm. That's not as opposed to, to when I don't. Anyways, did we talk about the fuse number one yet? We did not. We did not, no. And I don't think this was on anyone's list, so I did want to bring it up. It was not. What is the fuse number one? Yeah. So this came out uh, in the middle of February, uh, and it's a book from Anthony Johnston, who's doing Umbral, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, art by Justin Greenwood. So I read a little bit of this, like a couple pages, again, in the Image Expo preview, I think, in January. Um, and didn't really know what to expect even from that. But basically, there's this uh, orbiting – the synopsis calls it an orbiting – energy platform so it's a big giant kind of well we'll just call it a spaceship you know and people inhabit it they work there they live there um and this it it follows these homicide detectives one of which who is just you know fresh off the spaceship the you know shuttle (laughs) fresh off the shuttle (laughs) took a cab Um, Mm -hmm. and he's trying to get his uh, bearings and right away uh, I think they're called cablers uh, turns up dead and essentially those are the homeless people that live up there mm-hmm. or the really really poor hmm. so you know like immediately after he gets off the shuttle he is faced with his very first homicide mission and uh, he meets his partner who is like old as dirt and uh they, they, you know, they, they're trying to find ways to work together while working this weird case right away. Like, we're just throwing them to the wolves. Um, and then, you know, other shit happens. It just keeps on piling up. <laughs> shit. That's a great description. <laughs> <laughs> How was the writing, Stephanie? It was good. <laughs> It was good, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like the description they have on the image website where it says, working homicide 20,000 miles up on an orbiting energy platform in a five-mile-long jury-rigged steel city stuffed with half a million people with no help from your so-called colleagues back on Earth is more than tough. It's murder. Cynical <laughs> 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 foul-mouthed veteran Anthony Johnston gets partnered with fresh-faced idealist, idealist Justin Greenwood for a new crime series with attitude, murder, mayhem, and mystery... 22,000 miles straight up. Bobby, That's really it high. does have attitude. I'm sure it does. So don't tell me, how how is the writing, Stephanie? I really enjoyed it. Um, there's some stuff that gets a bit confusing. Like there's, there's one page especially where the panels are kind of all over the place. And, you know, I was kind of like, what is happening? But outside of that, it was a pretty solid number one. And I'm interested to see what, where it goes. Um, I don't, I think it's supposed to be an ongoing, but... I mean, I don't know. It kind of right now feels like it could just be a mini. Mm-hmm. 
Because, I mean, I don't know how much space crime there is. I'm sure there's, there's a, enough know. with half a million people living in a very small area. True. But... True. Uh, so what's the tone of it? I mean, it's obviously a a, a, a not it's a murder mystery. Is it noirish? Is it very serious? Is it kind of darkly funny? Um, no. Like, I mean, it has. Mm, I wouldn't really say it's a dark comedy, and it's not really noirish. It's more just kind of, I guess, a crime thriller. Um, okay. And it it's they're not really giving you a lot to work with to like solve the mystery on your own. You know, it's like it's strictly from. Um, uh, our guy's perspective. So, I mean... It's like young cop, old cop mm-hmm. setup yeah. kind of thing. Science fiction-y. Mm. Sorry, and sorry I trailed off there for a second. My internet like flashed offline for a second and I thought that I was talking to dead air. No, we're still I here. Like, <laughs> I've broken the internet again. <laughs> But I'm still here. Um, so more of like a straight-ahead crime story than it, it just happens yeah. to be set in a space station. So yeah. So far. Like, um, the older cop seems a bit more willing to be kind of, you know, I don't know. Shadier? Like, not shadier. <laughs> like, the the young cop that comes along who's just fresh off the shuttle mm-hmm. um, is, is younger, and he's clearly trying to run away from something back home. Mm. We don't of know course. what. Um, and this person's been around, the older person's been around the block and is just kind of trying to fit in with a new partner after, uh, a long standing relationship with his old partner, her old partner, her old partner to her. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think, (laughs) wow, words are hard. Mm, Yes. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It's more, I guess, like gritty kind Mm. of crime as opposed to kind of the fatal kind of and then a dame walked in right right <laughs> what's uh what's the art like the justin greenwood art is it uh what's the style it's interesting um i'm trying to think of something to kind of compare it to but i like the color palette it's kind of lots of neutrals except for you know the blood mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like uh sheltered you've seen that right yeah yeah absolutely yeah, 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 yeah. And, um what's his name something christmas johnny johnny christmas johnny christmas such a cool name it's a cool name johnny christmas see <laughs> but yeah no it's like i guess yeah it's a little bit similar to his kind of line art the colors are different but mm-hmm. um i could see the similarity there that's a good comparison hmm. yeah i'm looking at it uh well i'm trying to look at it right now it's very close oh, i was like oh yeah okay i see yeah I think that's a pretty good. It's good. It's it's got very kind of fine line work. Uh, interesting colors though. The purples. I'm looking at seeing a lot of purples and stuff. It's very cool. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. I think it's interesting. Um, it might not be a series that I stick with in the long run. I I don't always love crime stuff, but I do like crime every now and again. Mm-hmm. But you know, in fiction. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna see where this goes. In real life, you love crime all the time. You know, both of these books are crime books. Bandit and The Fuse. Mm-hmm. Just yep. love crime. If right. we start hearing about Grecian urns stolen in Toronto, we <laughs> yeah. know who's to blame. What is what is The Fuse, the titular fuse, Stephanie, of this book? Do we, do we know yet? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's the space station that they're on. Oh, it's the name of the space station? I think. The Fuse is, is where they end up investigating. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, that might make sense. That would make sense. That's 
I try. I, I gave you really a chance. I tried. Sounds like a good name for a bar. <laughs> it does. Ooh. The fuse. The fuse. The fuse. All right. So it's ladies' night at the fuse. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the the fuse number one uh, by Anthony Johnson and Justin Greenwood, um, and also Bandette number six by Paul, uh, Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover. Right. Yes. Correct. Nice. Didn't have that written down anywhere. Nothing right. but net. Nothing You're but net on that one. Bobby. I know. Or I can I remember people's names. That's the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take the compliment. Whatever. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie. You're I appreciate welcome. it yeah. very much. All right. Moving on to Steve. Oh boy. So, what, uh, tell me about so Secret Avengers number one. Yeah. We just finished another volume of that, um, which uh, started with. Nick Spencer, but ended ended with Leshkot, and Leshkot is doing this this re renumbered uh, book um, with Michael Walsh um, on the art. So you picked this up. You read a little bit of Secret Avengers, the previous one. I read, I think, maybe four or five issues, maybe okay. a few more. So I think that's about what I read as well. Okay. So obviously you dropped off of it because you weren't uh, too many Avengers too, books. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't you were passionate about it. Wasn't it. popping. Yeah, exactly. So. Does this book bring something over that? Do you, this first issue, does it pop for you? Honestly, yeah. Uh, okay. For me, personally, yes. Mm. Uh, I was really excited about it. I like Oleshkot. I like his delivery. And up until now, his his writing voice oftentimes is it's dark. And it's, you know, it's got all kinds of... Anyway. Mm. Um, it's like laden with social commentary and all this stuff. This is an Avengers book that has like fun to it this is that every like a couple of books have this where they're like this is what these people are doing when they're not doing this mm-hmm. this is another one of those where you know you get slice of life mixed with action together mm. uh and aside from like his darker stuff it's funny it's actually really funny uh and honestly it was the cover by trad Moore that i really was it trad Moore. yeah it was trad Moore. okay yeah, yeah. um I dig his art style, so his art style drew my eye to the cover. And I was like, oh, I'll give this another shot. Oh, it's by Leshkot? Okay, mm-hmm. I'll definitely buy it. Opened it up and was pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, I think he handles the characters that are in it very well. Which characters are in this? Well, you've got... Uh, I, I wrote them down. Nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> Steve gets organized. 2014, Talking Comics. <laughs> um, okay, so here's here's the roster. Modoc and Maria Hill... Okay. Are they, are they a couple? They're working. So, no, they're they're working side by side, and their relationship status is it's complicated. Okay. And that's actually mm. that's from the book. Um, you have Coulson and Nick Fury in space fighting the Fury, so that's all. That's a whole thing. Uh, Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Spider Woman are battling AIM agents inside of a day spa. Okay. Uh, and the day spa caters to Black Widow and her. One of her things that she likes to do to relieve stress is go to the spa, and then as her massage finishes, the walls part, and there is a arsenal of weapons, and she just blows the crap out of a bunch of mm-hmm. things to end her day. Um, really, really funny. It's violent, but not hyper-violent, and uh, I really dig the art. I, I, it's a, I can't think of who i it's kind of hawkeye-ish yeah it does definitely has like that kind of aja yeah type of look to it it's got a bit of that superior foes of spider-man mm-hmm. taste to it a little bit but like i said i'm just i'm digging the idea that alesh is doing a superhero book 
and it's not deadly serious mm. and there aren't people dying everywhere. There's violence, but so far it seems to be light. Mm. Uh, and also, I've never read anything with Modoc in it ever, and he's pretty damn funny right. in the position that he's in. Like, he sold his portion uh, to, to S.H.I.E.L.D., and now he works alongside Maria Hill, and it's just a weird... He's very bizarre, and Maria's personality matched with his. It's It makes me laugh. Yeah, when I, we, I talked to Michael Walsh at New York Comic Con, oh, nice. uh, right after they announced the book, um, Stephanie set that up for me, so thank you to Stephanie. Um, and we uh, he talked about how excited he was about the tone of the book and kind of, you know, getting to redesign some characters. And he talked about having to redesign a character that he was very excited about. Mm. I think he was talking about Modoc. He couldn't talk about it nice. at, at the time. And, yeah, he was super excited. He said that, you know, Alesh has, like, he's, like, one of the most original people he's ever, you know, talked to and met. He did the first the first issue of Zero, Michael yeah. Walsh. So he, he's worked with them before. So he was very, very excited about it. It's funny. Um, I, I think I like Michael Walsh's art a lot. He did... Um, Heck was the name of that book? He did that. It's like, it was the guy who wrote Ed, with Ed Brisson. Um, he did. Was that? Oh, he did. Um, that like time traveling comeback. That was yeah. what it was called. Ah, comeback. The time traveling cops, kind of like Looper type of book. I never got and to read he's that. He's doing the X Files. Yes, movie. he's doing the X Files right now as, as well. And I think he Ooh. did the first issue of Zero. I want to. He did. Say. I just said that, Stephanie. Oh, did you? <laughs> I did. Zero's I very was good. Listening, I swear. I don't think you were listening, Stephanie. <laughs> I also thanked you for getting me the interview at Comic-Con. You said nothing. I heard nothing. that. I was listening. <laughs> Just not responding. Just not responding. So, oh. but it was funny because <laughs> when I saw the cover, the Tradmore cover, yeah. I didn't realize it was, I didn't realize it was, a, I, like I knew what Tradmore's art looked like, but I thought, oh, maybe this is like the, what the art style of the book is going to be. So I got really excited. And then I saw the interior art. I was like, this still looks very good, but <laughs> was not what I was excited for. Right. You know, when I saw the cover. Well, he's going to be doing primary on Ghost Rider, right? He is, which I'm really excited about. Which is that comes the... out today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Excited for that. You know, I, I, I was excited to see it on your list because I didn't pick it up because I was kind of waiting to hear what people thought of it. Yeah. Um, again, because all the Avengers books and stuff. But if it has that kind of tone, it seems like they're trying to kind of slotted into that Hawkeye young Avengers type of, of category. Yeah. I mean the Hawkeye in the book feels like Matt fractions, Hawkeye, mm. everything down. He almost kind of rips on himself a little bit because of the way his dialogue is. It's got the purple boxes and he makes references to things that he says in the Hawkeye book all the time. And he's wondering if it's redundant, if he needs to, you know, jazz up his, his repertoire of whatever. <laughs> I, it's no secret that I really dig, you know, Alash most of most of his work. I think there might have been one thing that that uh, threw me off a little bit, but otherwise, it's just cool to see him in this position and doing something fun with these heroes. You know, we read so many stories where there's so much serious stuff happening all the time that it's nice to have something a little weird and and you know funny. And I don't know, I really do. I'm I'm definitely picking up another issue, and I'll probably stick with it for a while. See where it goes. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me about the same difference. Eisner Award and Harvey Award winning. Indeed. Ooh, same difference. Well, there's a story that okay. comes with this book. Story time. Mm. All right. Way back when. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> in a world. In a world <laughs> where Talking Comics had their 100th podcast live <laughs> in Patchog. Mm. Our friend Kyle, you might know him as Super Bad Larry, if you're cool. Uh, he came out and he stayed at my place and we, he brought with him a couple of books. 
So, of course, what do you do when you borrow something from somebody and they tell you to read it? You take it and you put it in a pile and you say, I'm going to read it, but you don't. Mm. Something happens to it, it gets pushed to the side, and you don't read it for months. Well, here it is several months later, and I have read the book. The book is essentially, it's a semi-autobiographical tale of two friends uh, learning a series of valuable life lessons, all because of a harmless prank that's going on. Um, this girl, uh, guy and a girl, Simon and Nancy. Nancy lives in a building where things keep showing up for a person that used to live there, and she has no way of getting in contact with her. But this guy keeps sending letters, and one day he sends this box, and it's got all kinds of stuff in it and whatnot. So she shows all this stuff to her friend Simon, and he makes a joke about, you know, well, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be funny if somebody decided to write this guy back and essentially give him false hope and kind of mess mm-hmm. with him? And Nancy's sitting there and looking sheepish and being like, you know, well, I kind of already did that. And I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> so they come to find out that this guy lives in Simon's hometown. And he hasn't been back in a while. And he dreads going back because when you go back to your hometown and it's small enough, you run the risk of running into old people from high school. Of course. And you all of a sudden, even the people that you weren't friends with in high school they want to know how you are mm. and they, they come up and, Oh, I haven't seen you in forever and mm. blah, blah, blah. And you just, it's awkward mm. most of the time. Yes. You can't go home again as Thomas Wolfe said. <laughs> so it's all right. So basically by him returning to his hometown, it reveals a storyline for him of that. He had the chance to go to a Sadie Hawkins type dance with a girl from school happens to be a blind girl that he was good, that he was friends with and he made up an excuse not to go with her years ago. And here it is coming back to the town. It's bringing back all these memories of, you know, it's seven years later. He's a different person and he regrets having passed on the opportunity for the reasons that he did because he was shallow, didn't want people to, you know, see him at the dance with the blind girl, so on and so forth. So essentially what the book is, is this journey of these two people that in one day managed to grow up in several aspects they 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 move on from their their like seven-year-old selves mm-hmm. all in one afternoon by doing this task of, of of checking out this guy that's been sending all this stuff to the house and kind of spying on him and being kids but through that through those actions to do this this out that afternoon managed to hit a couple of things that make them contemplate who they are now and by the end of the book, they discover a bunch of stuff about themselves. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, it's one of those, we call it slice of life books. It's one of those, uh, it's black and white artwork. It's written by, art by, um, would you say a uh, Derek? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I have the book right in front yeah. of me. Why am I asking you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Derek Kirk Kim. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that, that missed it, it's a book called Same Difference. And uh, yeah, I mean... I, I, I enjoyed it because I've run into people since high school. I mean, everybody does eventually. And I just, I identified with the main character and kind of, I still live where I went to high school, maybe a town mm. away and whatnot. And I always run the risk of running into people in the uh, food stores mm. and whatnot. And sometimes it's nice to see an old face yeah. and whatnot. But then other times people hold on to you a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. And they want to know a little bit too much about what you're doing. And I, I felt that I felt that dread that he had, and uh, just a really, really cool story. 
if anybody wants to check it out. It is, uh, I think, published by First Edition. It's that, uh, or no, First Second. Right, yeah. It has, it's a lovely package. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hardcover book. It's gorgeous. Uh, I don't even know, how, how would you describe the art? I've been trying to, a little manga-ish. It's very, I mean, it's kind of, it's very almost European-ish. Like, it's kind yeah, of that's like the best Purge-ish, you know, like they got a yeah, Tintin, Tintin. And, stuff, and stuff like that. It's, it definitely has that sort of feeling to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed it because I enjoy these kind of stories. I like underdog stories. I like stories where within a finite period of time, you get a, a piece of this person's life, but you get a very important piece. And I love the idea that within such a short period of time, because of meeting up with X, Y, and Z or encountering these things or forgiving yourself for something you did years ago when you were just a kid and you were just being shallow and you were just being a kid Mm -hmm. and running into that person and finding out that it's okay. You didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a thing that you needed to torture yourself about. And it it teaches you to let go of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, one of those feel good Hits of the summer, so I don't know. <laughs> feel good, so that that's good right away. It we, is. We won't have a terrible, hideous, you know, no. carry moment. At no, the end it's of this high school reunion. It's very feel good when you when you close the book when you're done with it. You kind of think about maybe some like tiny things that you've held on to, mm-hmm. and you're just like, you know what? Pfft, forget it. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> it's nice. So I want to thank uh, Kyle for for loaning that to me, and I will be sure to pass it around. Uh, I really enjoyed it, man. Thanks. Uh, it's you can get it for about twelve bucks on Amazon. There you go. So there you oh. go. I Very recommend easy it. To get. Same difference. Yeah, if that's your thing, uh, definitely check it out. It is enjoyable. By Derek Kirk Kim. I need to readjust because I, I, when Steve put it on his list, that was one of my father's favorite expressions. Mm. It was always sort of eh, same difference. Who yeah, cares? yeah. <laughs> just, uh, I hadn't heard that in years. And, <laughs> well, you're next. I will, yes, I will definitely prove. Oh, look at that. Yeah, go for it. And it won the Ignatz Award. There you go. Which I guess is more of a cartooning award. It's oh, got, okay, I didn't know that. It's got that worth the award feel to it. Yeah, it's when weird. you read it. Very nice. Oh, you remember Ignatz from Crazy Cat? I do not. Oh, George Herman's Crazy Cat. No. They even made cartoons. <laughs> crazy Cat was this crazy lady cat. Ignatz was a mouse who basically threw bricks at her all the time. Mm. <laughs> no Sounds like itchy and scratchy. No one. Well, that's where that comes from. There's hey. no question that that's exactly oh, wow. the reference for that. But interesting. No, oh, wow. Some crazy cat. Some crazy Lord cat. Throw, throw around Bringing here. it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get to... So wait, that was Same Difference and Secret Avengers number one. Indeed it was. Were your books. Yes. Um, so before we get to Bob, because uh, the books I'm most interested in talking about are actually the books that Bob is doing for his, his books of the week. Thanks. I changed them. You changed them? No. Okay. <laughs> kill you. Then I'll just talk about one of them now. Uh, but I did want to mention, you know, in, in, uh, in, in brief at least, Batman... Number twenty nine. Uh, we're back from the uh, little break we took to do the kind of eternal preview, and we're back into the zero year storyline once again. And this time, uh, Scott Snyder is telling the story. He's retelling the story of um, Bruce's parents being killed, in, along with the events of what are happening right now in Gotham, which is the uh, the Riddler has kind of set his trap, and the 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 city is about to kind of fall into it. Basically, he's he set it against them. So, if they try to basically fix the power that he has tried to turn off, it's going to blow out the entire city like irreparably for for a mm. large amount of time. And Batman realizes this, 
and but he they can't get the kind of corrupt underbelly of Gotham to listen to him. You know the you know the the corrupt most of the police to listen to him or Gordon. So what you get is a story about both of them trying to trying to get to their respective places. Gordon's helping Batman at this point against the backdrop of Bruce's parents eventually you know getting getting shot. And you know it's 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 again it's it's a, it's a big deal because he's retelling the probably the biggest portion of Batman's entire origin. And it's the, it's the same you know it's he doesn't he doesn't reinvent the wheel. You do get some really cool stuff like the bat blimp basically yeah that thing's pretty wow. badass which is pretty badass um really obviously beautiful artwork um greg capullo is still kicking major ass um and the name i can never F- fco placienza the the colorist it, it's just the changing up of the different color palettes it is really quite gorgeous and um we get a, a showdown with with dr death which is horrifying and awesome and you know again mm, a lot of I love that sort of Frank Miller-esque. Yeah, there's a very yeah. Frank Miller-esque. He's done it a couple times now. Um, Dark Knight Returns types of Batman jumping a- a- against this lightning in silhouette. You know, really, really great stuff. A, a showdown with a Riddler. Um, you know, this is <clears throat> what, what Scott Snyder seems to really like to do, which is he puts Batman, you know, against the ropes a, a lot. A- and in this one especially, he is he's one step behind what's happening right now. So everything he's trying to do is coming up just a little bit short which I will assume will make when he eventually does come up on top all the more sweeter. Cause that's certainly, I think what the, 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 the reasoning for it is, but you know, it, there's a lot of destruction and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hopelessness going on right now, which will hopefully turn around. But I mean, there are some pages like Bob's yeah. this page of Dr. Death right here. And it's, it's, it's some pretty gruesome stuff, but uh, really, really great stuff too. Really, really awesome stuff. And there's even a, a shout out to a, a lesser Frank Miller, when uh, someone screams, it's the goddamn Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he the, when the bat blimp makes its makes its appearance. Uh, Steve, did you read it? I did. What did you think? Oh, everything you just said. Mm. It was awesome. <laughs> I've no, I'm, I've been enjoying the hell out of that. I especially the colors of that book that he's continuing on with those pinks and mm. yellows and oranges and everything, and it's just it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous Batman story. Yeah. And yeah, I the Doctor Death stuff has for me been fantastic. Mm. I love the look of him. I like his whole deal. Uh he's ridiculously sinister. And yeah. I, I I love what happens to him if you damage him. Yeah. It's such a incredibly like, I can imagine it. And when I do, mm. I I feel horrible. <laughs> so to to think that it's going on in multiple I mean event you read this issue you'll see. Yeah. Uh I I could not imagine the pain. Yeah. And that for a, a villain that's that's pretty sick. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So Batman number 29 is obviously it's a, it's a it's a must buy if you're if you're a Batman fan if you're if you're reading the book it, it's it stays the course as far as the quality that we've been experiencing for the last two plus years now on this book straight through so but let's move on bob i want because i want to talk about these two books uh, um we, we you want to talk about hawkeye first i'm yeah, assuming I think so. okay sure. so hawkeye number 17 we've been doing this very bizarre shipping schedule for hawkeye we we got you got 16 before we got 15 mm. and now we have 17 which is supposed to come out i think around christmas time yes so it very weird shipping schedule and all three of those within what three weeks or four pretty weeks? much yeah. around four weeks so we got a lot of Hawkeye um, out of order, obviously. Yes. This issue is especially different because... <laughs> no kidding. Um, it's drawn by Chris Eliopoulos, who... 
he did those those Franklin Richards books, right? right. He, the, He's normally the letterer. On yeah, normal book. letterer on the book. He's the he was the artist on Cowboy, a boy and his a boy and his horse, mm-hmm. which was a book that I really loved that came out two years ago. Um, so his art, his art style is extremely it's cartoony. It's like watching a, a Saturday morning cartoon. After the events of the last Hawkeye book, people were expecting something very, very different. What did you think of Hawkeye number 17? I thought it was a wonderful piece of Christmas charm a couple of months late. (laughs) I understand the frustration that I want to see what happened at the end of that issue, too. Mm -hmm. But I'm thrilled that this book continues to be something different. It is not a fill-in issue that draws out the events into some other wait-for-the-trade silliness. This is just a story they wanted to tell. It's actually a sequel to issue six, mm-hmm. when Clint's going through his old stuff, including his old laser discs and his old equipment, because Simone upstairs wants her kids to watch their favorite show, which is The Winter Friends. Mm. So we get, and what this issue is, is a Saturday morning cartoon of The Winter Friends, Drawn in a very, as you're saying, it was the Franklin Richards things. It's very Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. If you were a fan of that, this is all that sort of charm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Clint says, well, what are we watching? Is it going to have, like, sand in it? No, it's the Winter Friends! <laughs> and so we, we finally introduced the Winter Friends because global warming is melting, apparently, snowmen and all sorts of things. We find out later. It's not exactly that. <gasps> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but the, the Winter Friends are various funny animals dressed as sort of winter solstice celebration superheroes and to be we want to be politically correct so we have yeah. the best all of the them. best one is absolutely menorable yeah. which is nine, <laughs> nine lives, lives nine candles oh lahayam it's yeah. the best it's yeah. the best thing ever i got caught up specifically for this talk uh, <laughs> santalope kwanza gator yeah yal dog yeah rama in pajamas <laughs> And Samantha Hain, the pagan princess, just like the scary girl always reading alone in the library. Yeah. <laughs> and they're the super friends, only they're the winter friends, and they're, they're going to try to help. And as this goes on, we, stuff is bad stuff is happening, but they're, they're persevering. But our hero, Steve, the dog with no powers that we let hang out with us for no reason whatsoever. He's Hawkeye, basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, he acts like a dog, mm-hmm. except he's not he has dialogue the, the door you know someone's knocking through who said my name someone said my name who said steve <laughs> it is just loopy mm-hmm. it's the only word i can use we then get lil who is uh, kate obviously yeah i'm not sure herman is uh i think it might be his brother yeah that's what i thought oh too. okay so that's good old barney because he does say he's like oh you're my brother yeah brother yes okay very good thank you very much Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Steve, go ahead, Steve. No, no, I would, no. When when you're done, I'll, I'll get to that okay. because I I spent a bit of time piecing together which dog is which character. So we'll go through. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll, a lot of time. We'll yeah. go through. We'll go I through the list. Steve with like a, 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 like, a, like, a like a like a pin board, and he's like yarn connecting faces. <laughs> Dude, I went Jonathan Hickman's flowchart. I went to Home Depot and I got one of those plexiglass boards <laughs> yeah. and some markers. Yeah, yeah. So you walk in and you can see through it. It's yeah, me, just like yeah. ah. <laughs> figure it out. Now, now Steve tries to go help you too, and everyone's trying to pitch in. It's I can do it all by myself. He is definitely Clint, mm. and I I don't want to spoil the action sequences or or who the real villain is, who's looks rather like a serial logo. 
<laughs> you, sh- you should be with some raisin bran or something. <laughs> Two scoops. Two scoops. We, and our heroes, the Winter Friends, have to do what they need to do with their various powers. And what we end up with is a perfect recapitulation of sort of the Hawkeye ethos from the regular books. He is, to quote, I'm the dog that says no to jerks like you for everybody too afraid to say it. And I'll never stop barking just because you forgot how the world should work. I don't care if I'm not a winter friend. I'm not going to let anybody alone against a big bully jerk like you. Mm-hmm. It is, I don't know how you manage to write for a dog that is Clint Barton and have it come out just so right, except that Matt Fraction has got this thing nailed <laughs> to the wall. Uh, David Aja does the Hawkeye pages, beginning and end, but Chris Eliopoulos and new colorist Jordi Belair, who, if it's Marvel, it seems like she's coloring <laughs> lately. <laughs> it's a simple palette, but it's all just perfectly, perfectly chosen. It's just a great little book. It may not be what everyone wanted coming out of the horrific events of the last issue that we can't really discuss yet. Mm. I love the heck out of this. Mm. Everyone else? Steve. <laughs> okay, I have. I, I went through a little bit of a journey with this book. I got it. I sat down, and that's what I was expecting. I was like, oh my God, it was, it's a Hawkeye issue. <laughs> Let's find out. And I opened it up, and Ta-da! no. no. <laughs> so it... It threw me off. I'll be totally honest. It threw me off. And I was not prepared for what was to follow. So I read it. And it, I did one of those things where you're just reading it and you just read through it and you're, you're done and you put it aside and that's that. And you didn't really absorb it. So I didn't didn't know what to think about. It. I didn't know if it was the best Hawkeye issue yet or my <laughs> least favorite. I was really kind of teetering. And then I found out that you were going to talk about it on the show. And I read it again today and that's when I got like I got deep with it. Mm. Like I, I went in, I went into the dog mind, right? <laughs> and I, I put the dogs to each of the characters that are in his life. And the idea, like you know, dog, you know, dog, blah blah blah. Dingoes. You're, you have your Avenger friends. You are not one of them. You have no powers. You suck. Blah blah mm. blah. You can do nothing. And then once I did that, I, I pieced it all together and really ended up enjoying the living hell out of it and thinking that it was just it's so creative to deliver and and also a risk to deliver an issue like this because like you said not only were people expecting the conclusion or just at least the next piece of the puzzle to what's going on Mm -hmm. in Clint's life but this is something totally off the deep end and you either really, you have to really be into Hawkeye and have faith in the book and see it for what it's supposed, you know, what I think it's supposed it's to yeah. be. Uh, and either you really enjoyed it, or you're you're just like you're just waiting for the next issue. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I ended up really, really enjoying the crap out of it. Stephanie said you got caught up just for Minorable. <laughs> um, what did you think of the book as a whole? I thought it was interesting. It was a weird way to take it, and especially after the cliffhanger we were left with, mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted answers, and I was a little bit disappointed because I thought that this was going to somehow subtly be answers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but it wasn't. Um, I still thought it was fun, and it was an interesting take on things, even though it was like the definition of a filler issue. Um the art was fun and adorable, guys. Adorable. <laughs> um, but like a lot of it, I actually 
skipped through, I think it took me like two minutes to read because 90% of it isn't actually words. It's just, I would, my brother. And I'm just like, oh, well, all right, Clint dog. I love the bit in the beginning with the, with the snowman. And the the holiday song that they're singing, that mm. like ridiculously mm. long, what is Winter, Winter Time's the best, better than the rest, snowball fights, shining lights, and multi-denominational pantheistic all-inclusive seasonal fests. There yeah. it is. One well, thing about it is, I like what I like about it is I I love the art. I, I think his art is beautiful and and, and so charming. Um, I love the the like the, that that sort of subtle satire, not so subtle satire of the the weird kind of political correctness that has taken over the world where you can't even say Merry Christmas. You have this weird, you know, kind mm-hmm. of other thing. The war on Christmas. Um, <laughs> uh, I like that a lot. And I, and I like the message the book gives. Um, to me, though, this feels like an annual. This feels like Hawkeye annual number one or annual number two. Mm-hmm. And I, and look, I know it's, be, I know it's like we said, because it wasn't supposed to come out now. It's supposed to come out um, uh, two months ago. Supposed to come out around Christmas. It was supposed to not follow up this huge cliffhanger of an issue, um, but this is what I think. Look, I think, I think the book is one of the best books out there, you know, bar none. But I do think that this release schedule, this is when it starts to hurt the book a little bit mm-hmm. because you can you can have all of these excuses, but when it comes down to it, you have to the person who does not follow this stuff doesn't know that they just think it's a book that came out, and then they're gonna be pissed because. They they didn't get the 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 solution to this huge thing that happened, which was out of order anyway. You know, yes. And um, everybody's sick of winter. Everybody's sick of winter. Yes, <laughs> that too. So I, I think that that this release like this this release schedule starts to hurt this book at, at this point, where these kind of this issue, which if it came in a break between kind of big moments, you know, or you know, like I said, like before a big arc started or before a big story started, then it's oh look at the charming, amazing issue of Hawkeye that came out. I can't wait to start the next scene a little bit, but it comes out now. And like you said, Bob, there's a, there's a mixed feeling towards it because it's not what people wanted. Right. It's not about the book itself. Yeah. It's about where it is in the schedule and what's gone seemingly haywire yes. with getting these books out. And the same thing kind of happened with the last Batman issue. We talked about the eternal issue. There were plenty mm-hmm. of people who were upset that it wasn't more zero year, no matter how good the book was, they were upset that, that the storyline they've been invested in got interrupted. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think that's the same thing that's going on here. Um, I think that, I like the fact that it's almost like a retelling of the uh, the first Hawkeye issue in some ways with the things that he's saying, and, and that's great. But like like I said, it feels like an annual to me because then it's it is regurgitating information. I did love that line about you know you forgot the way the world works. Mm. I think that's all that stuff is great. I think it's a very good issue. I just feel like they should have timed it better. If it's the only thing I can say about that. You might have been able to hold it for another eight months. Not even hold it for know, eight months. Just maybe just hold it till after. after the- They've shown you what happened at the end because I because I think next issue we're not going to see it either because I think right. it's a it's a Kate issue. <clears throat> if you look at the cover, it's got um, Meta Mask on it, um, mm-hmm. and then I think the next issue you, you see that the, uh, the the teardrop kind of assassin dude on the on the next on the on number nineteen. So we're still going to wait a whole, maybe another two months until until that happens. That's provided they come out in order to <laughs> exactly. So maybe they'll switch those as well. But so I think that's again the release schedule is hurting this book, but. Still, really wonderful, really wonderful story. Absolutely, it'll be on, on my short list of <laughs> better. I lo- by the way, it's the saga, the saga cover. cover. Yes, <laughs> with Clint with a TV set on his head. Yes, Prince Robot. 
Prince Clint. Clint. Yes. So Prince Barton. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, your next book. Hmm. I wonder what what, what this is going to be. Yeah, I have no idea. This is a yeah. big spoiler. Dun, 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 dun. Um, it's a big mystery. Tell me about Captain Marvel number one, Bob. Does it lose a step from the end of the last run? To me, absolutely not. And I have to say that coming into what was going to be a new story arc that was going to be, uh, let me get this right, higher, farther, uh, higher, faster, farther, higher, higher, further, faster, more. Yes. Okay, I always foul those two up. It was a chance that we would lose focus a little bit. But what we have instead is we're dropped into the middle of this new mission. And that I know you love those sort of cold opens. I do. I do love cold opens. It's so true. it's really fun to see these new people. And within just a couple of pages, through the characterizations and the way it's all laid out here, I have feelings for a character I've only met on the first page. When something bad seemingly happens in this sort of ragtag assembly of, of folks we have here, someone's... Uh, Compared it to Firefly, and it really does have that sort of look. I think it was Joy Burkino in mm. his review. Now that I, right. I think of that, but then we get back around to you know six weeks before a lovely little segue off of that, and we're right back to the people that we've grown to love, and a, a new addition who I'm not going to spoil in case people are are waiting. Mm. There's a possible budding romance that it seems like such a natural pairing of characters. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that no one's. Come up no with it, done it before. Mm. We have a wonderful scene at her new apartment, which is inside the Statue of Liberty. It's Kit and her mom. And uh, Kit is, of course, Carol around Kit is very different. She's motherly in a way that, considering where she has been, that she's lost everything to get to this point, her Captain Marvel lessons are taking, apparently. Mm-hmm. She's starting to recover some of what she has lost, but not everything, because she's still searching for something. And Kid asks her mom, you know, is she sad? She's just restless. You know, so how do you make the restless go away? And just charming little small personal moments. And in the midst of all this sort of personal things, there's there's sort of a a knock at the window. It's Iron Man sitting outside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He He has a proposition. And it's a wonderful little moment where you have this conversation between two of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe basically not paying any attention while they take out 14 ne'er-do-wells who are trying to mug people on the sidewalk. (laughs) But they're not paying attention. They're just all blasting them left and right. And it turns into uh, Tracy's birthday. She gets to fly. We we see these characters who I didn't think we were going to see. We are back to that. So for those folks wondering, this is all going to be space, the final frontier, that's there, and that's what our new mission is. It's to try to find... Tony wants to create an Avengers presence in space, because after the events of Infinity, with so many things gone wrong before we get to it, let's be proactive and have someone out there. And he sandbags Carol, basically, into, mm-hmm. into, into doing this, where she didn't think... I don't think she would have thought of it in quite the same way, except he knows how to deal with... Carol mm-hmm. knows what makes her tick, what's going to make her want to do this thing where he thinks she's best for. Her farewell is just incredible. I, if you don't mind. Go ahead, Bob. I'm not going to go into the, the new pair-up. I'll leave that, mm-hmm. leave that for you folks to discover. But as Carol decides whether she's going to take this mission or not, and you, her thought process is going, 
and we end up with this. Have you ever seen a little girl run so fast she falls down? There's an instant, a fraction of a second before the world catches hold of her again, a moment where she's outrun every doubt and fear she's ever had about herself, and she flies. In that moment, every little girl flies. I need to find that again, like taking a car out into the desert to see how fast it can go. I need to find the edge of me, and maybe if I fly far enough, I'll be able to turn around and look at the world and see where I belong. Pretty special stuff. You know, we, we, this, is, this is a character who was sitting with my Ms. Marvel number one right here from <laughs> back in 1979, was started as an attempt to create a liberated woman hero. She was a magazine editor, former Air Force colonel, so on so forth, working for Jonah Jameson. And it went sort of haywire. If there was a character who had become one of the models for women in refrigerators is what got done to Carol Danvers over the years between being made pregnant by her own son while the Avengers watched and let her go off into limbo with this creep. And <laughs> yeah, there's some bad stuff in her past. You got <laughs> turned into a drunk. What? For no, yeah. A lot of bad things happened to Carol Danvers. So when Kelly Sudakonic came on with us even before the first Captain Marvel came out and went down where she was headed with this, something special was going to happen for this character. And it continues to be that. This book is just a perfect little comic book. It may not be the perfect jumping on point because it does require some foreknowledge. I'm hoping people will take that instead of, I'm not going to try that, instead to go back and read what came before. It is certainly worth it. This is my one caveat for, for the book. I think it's wonderful. I think that if this was Captain Marvel 18, it's perfect. I think as Captain Marvel number one, it's a little bit of trouble because I think that if I didn't, if I didn't read those other books, I would have no idea what was going on. I look, I know that she wants to continue her story and I appreciate that as a reader and a fan of the character and of that previous run. I think it's a wonderful job, but as someone looking at it from a critical perspective going, if, if I was a new reader, if, if the, pur- the purpose of doing this is to go, this thing caught on a little bit too late. The sales were never going to recover. We need to get people in the door who who wanted to read it but felt intimidated by the numbering on the book. I feel like it's a missed opportunity to me. I feel like if I didn't know these characters, if I didn't know Carol, if I didn't know what she had gone through and what who, who those other people were, I would be lost and I would I wouldn't know why I should feel connected. The last thing you read is a it's a beautiful piece, and I think that works for anybody. I think it, that that's 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 a universal tenet. But as we all know. In comic books, it, it's really tough sometimes to get people to read a book when they feel confused at all, you know? And I think that this is a great issue of Captain Marvel, but it's not a good number one. I think that it it just... That was my thing reading it. I was like, I love this, but what is it is it going to be for other people who aren't already reading Captain Marvel? You know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some people will, will chime in and say they it was their first Captain Marvel and it was a great place to jump on. But for me, I, 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 was, I, I was left was such a weird, conflicted feeling. You know, I was like, this is beautiful. So, so well-written. I'm so glad after two months I've got the character back and I'm reading her again. Awesome. The other part of me was just disappointed that it wasn't more of a open-armed thing for people who weren't reading the book. <clears throat> I will say, though, I think that the art by David Lopez is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I think it, it strikes a beautiful line in between the, the very stylistic nature um, that we saw with Philippe Andrade and the kind of very statuesque and bombastic Dexter Stoy 
Dexter's Twenty Seven. I feel like it's right in the middle. It has personality. It has, it has cuteness. It has. It sometimes can be adorable, but it also is very sleek and 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 very. I, I could feel the action. I, you know, I could feel the presence of the characters a lot. It's a more heroic style yes. than an artistic style. Yes, absolutely. But Which isn't to say it isn't artistic. No, but, but it, right. it's not whitewash either. It's not just like this is standard superhero art. You know, no, it, it, definitely not. It has more to it than that. Um, and the Lee Lowbridge co- colors oh, are also oh, yeah. gorgeous. I mean, I love the the kind of sunset colors of the the opening, especially and the the the. It's still, it's still there in the in the in the Earth stuff too, but it's a lot more blues, a, a lot more to, to separate the two. I did think the romance also was was cool, and, and I thought that it, it does work. It didn't feel forced to mm-hmm. me, and I did love this that one. I didn't even notice it. I mean, I noticed it, but I didn't think of it again until you were just talking about it. The way Iron Man like greets her, I think, is yeah. incredibly charming. When he said, "What's up, trouble?" I think is is incredibly incredibly charming. Uh, Steve, I don't know what, what did you think about Captain Marvel number one. It's funny. I I agree with both of you. Mm. I really do. As a fan, I absolutely loved it. I I felt welcomed back, and it's just it was a very cold, not cold opening, a very quiet opening. I would say uh, I like the hints that we get of the cosmos, interstellar stuff, the, almost like a saga look to it. The the creatures that we might meet uh, as the story moves forward, and the characters. Uh, I love the idea that the comic has the potential to to. In, I mean, everybody, every comic would, but. I have a feeling we're going to be meeting a couple of new characters throughout the story, particularly the first arc, and I'm really excited about that. Um, as far as it being welcoming for new readers, I can't say 100% that I think that it is. If you have a history with, it, with the character, I think you'll you'll be more comfortable and you'll be able to read it better. But what it does do, I think, for, for new readers or for everybody, is it establishes who Captain Marvel is from a like from an emotional standpoint mm-hmm. maybe maybe not doesn't display all of her powers and doesn't tell you her whole history although you do get a little bit of a wrap up on the last page cute little you know this is what happened to to Carol to make her uh Captain Marvel but uh I just I I hope that people see that in the character and they see that sensitivity and they see the heart and read the words and feel the power coming off of them from the character. And they dig that enough to either go back and read or to just say, this is my starting point. Mm. I wanted to read this and I'm going to go forward from here and just trust that of all the, you know, all the people that champion this book, that they're not steering me wrong. Mm. So that's my hope for the book. Stephanie, what, what did you think? Um, I agree with you large, actually both of you, Bob and Bobby, like, you know, I, I thought it was good. It was a good issue. Kelly Sudakonic is a great writer, but it's like what we talked about last week, uh, you know, where if you need backstory to go along with, you know, this number one, it's not a number one. Mm-hmm. It, I, I just don't understand how Marvel can't get it through their heads that they should just stop with the renumbering or establish you know, what they're doing with the renumbering, mm. you know, as far as volume seasons or whatever, mm. they need to make a decision and explain it for all the new readers out there so that they can know what they're doing. And so that there isn't this disconnect for anyone who is picking up this book for the very first time. 
I thought it was a great issue. But even, you know, there was still stuff that I didn't understand. And I did read all of the other Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, I think the opening is intentionally vague. I think that's why. I think it's supposed to, it's, it's giving you this hint of what's to come. Um, it's weird to me. You know, it's, oh, we talked about this too. There's no, I know it's a first issue, but there's no, like, first, there's not that Marvel page isn't there. You know, that's like, Carol Danvers was a great pilot. She gained these powers. Mm-hmm. She lost her memory. Now she's trying to get her life back. So it's just something like that, you know, that if you weren't reading it, you'd be like, oh, okay, I, at least I know sort of who this person is. Now, you know, let's go. Um, yeah, I think the beginning is intentionally vague. And I don't mind that. It was more when we got into this, the, the Earth stuff, the stuff that was closer to where we had left off that I started to feel that, you know, that problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't, again, like I say, it's a, it's a really good issue. It's just well, like you're saying, as a number one, it's tough for me to, to say it's a great number one. I mean, it was really, there was a couple things too with the art. Like the art was good, but then there was a couple panels where I had to go back, like with Kit and her mom, like, you know, Captain Marvel, Carol's tucking Kit into bed. And then the next day she wakes up with her mom and I'm like, where'd her mom come from? She's there in the panel. She's there in the that yeah, panel. Like I see like, she's like a huddle or like a lump in the bed, but I didn't really realize that until you know it looked back i was like wait i thought kit was staying with carol oh they're staying with carol like there mm-hmm. was like a couple of small things like that that were kind of you know mm-hmm. huh what and then the stuff with uh roadie mm-hmm. i was just like oh I, I thought that was a great relationship not saying there's anything wrong with that but like was that set up somewhere and I missed it? No, it's a surprise. Okay, because like I felt like it had been ongoing and we were supposed to know about it. Mm-hmm. Like that's how it felt to me, and like it just it just seemed like there was backstory to that that wasn't provided to us. And I know there is because they've been, you know, seeing each other. But at the same time, it shouldn't feel like there's something that we're missing out on if it's not something we've missed out on so far. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be like a surprise for the reader. Like this has been happening in secret, even from you type of type of thing. Right. They've been Avengers together for a pretty long time. Yeah. I think that was the the point of that. We weren't, you weren't supposed to have known that something was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, I do think that the page in the bottom, the back is, is, is so charming. You know, like the, the, the (laughs) crayoned Mm -hmm. history of, of Captain Marvel. It, it, it is pretty cool. Um, and again, I don't want to dissuade people who, 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 who like this book or who are on the fence about it. I think it's a book you should read, but just going into it, know that if you don't know what's come before, there might, you might have some questions. It is great. It is a yeah. great issue with a great writer and a great artist. And, you know, I, I suspect it'll be one of those books that you'll be able to get into. Like, if you feel like you've missed anything, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you'll feel like that for very long. But it, it's just, it's a shame that Marvel felt the re- need to renumber this when really it's just a continuation of what it was. I wish that by renumbering it, they had they had taken advantage of it. That's the only, that's my only. Yes, that's, I, agree. I think that's the I thing agree. for me. I don't Great mind they renumbered issue, it at all. But actually, poor marketing on Marvel's part, yeah. not Kelly Sue DeConnick and I forget David the Lopez. artist. David Thank Lopez. You. Yeah. That, that was not their bad at all. Right. Now, I will assume that based on the example of the first time the series w- was relaunched, you will get the story you need parceled out mm-hmm. 
you know, in mm -hmm. reasonably good chunks as we go. And the new mission will be separate and distinct with visits back and forth. So it will it's going to require a little bit of time for some of those people, and you have to hope then between issue one and two there isn't a severe drop-off. I have the funny feeling there won't be, mm. but you can't know in this right. day and age with so many other number ones coming. Yeah, yeah. And so there, if that is the lost opportunity... Yeah. Is anybody, it's our job to tell people, because you, you said, Bob, like you read the last series, you know how good of a writer she is, so you, you know that this information will be sprinkled out. But thinking about it as someone who doesn't know her as a writer, that's who I'm trying to, you know, that's the that's mm -hmm. the perspective I'm just trying to bring to the the show. Absolutely. I think that, look, I think that in 10 issues, we're going to still be talking about how great it is. You know, I just hope that more people jump on so that they know how, how great it is. Uh, so an, it's an interesting divide, though, too. If this issue distanced itself from the other series and didn't pick up the threads in a way, or turned into sort of just the other issue, what do you end up with there, too? We'd probably be carping mm -hmm. and saying, oh, wait yeah. a minute, because now you didn't tell us the story we, we all fell in love with. Mm -hmm. If we just went into space, oh, this is this lady. She has superpowers, and she's yeah. beating up aliens. Right. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I mean, this this feels like the next step to me. We got told that she was going cosmic, and this is that, that introduction to that concept. Yeah, yeah. And I, in issue two will be probably, you know, obviously her yeah. first encounter out in space. But like, like I said, like we got told she was being cosmic in panels yeah. and in interviews, but I, you have to think of it like somebody who doesn't read all of that stuff. Oh, I totally, no, I you know totally I mean? agree, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I just I just hope, my only hope is that people, people get up and they read it and they love it and they keep reading it because it's a great book that deserves to be continued, to be, to be read. <clears throat> um, so that's Captain Marvel number one and we have Hawkeye number 17. Yeah, uh, that'll do it for our books of the week. We're gonna take a short break, and we'll come back with our listener questions. Yeah, we will. And we're gonna eat some donut stuff. We are back, and we're going to do some listener questions. We're going to jump right in, put out the call on Facebook and Twitter, and got some uh, very cool questions back in return. Um, so we mentioned before, we talked about Alesh Cotton, we talked about uh, Michael Walsh doing Zero, and Tony Asaro on Facebook wants to know, what do you guys think of Zero and its different artists for every issue policy? Um, Steve. Yes. What do you think of it? I like it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I like both. I like I I like the book a lot. Um, it's really intriguing and keeps bringing the story and adding more and more levels to it. And it feels gritty and and filthy. And it's ugh. as regard to the art, I've been having fun with it going issue to issue. There have been uh, Trad Moore did I believe it was issue number two. That was this really cool flashback love story kind of thing, uh, like assassins training uh, love story inner school thing. Uh, I dig it because the I, I guess the story goes in many directions as many characters. So the idea that the 
book itself has many identities to it and switches up the art with each one. Uh, each artist has kind of suited the tone and part of the story that each issue touches upon. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like one of the one of those things where when you fall into an issue, let's say an issue has been going on for a while and you've been following an artist and you're enjoying that artist and all of a sudden you know somebody guests for an issue or maybe two and it throws you off of your game. This was happening from the start. So I think it helps that there wasn't like a, a continuing artist from issue to issue. Then all of a sudden they decided, you know, season two, quote unquote, is going to be all these different artists. And really just you're not going to be able to get your bearings as you come into each issue. Each issue that comes out, you're ready to open up the book and see something different and see how that art feels with that part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the draw of the comic, in my opinion. I mean, the writing is, is stellar as well, but the idea that you're going to get something different each time I think is fun. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I've only read a few issues and I, I did like the series, uh, but the idea of different artists on each uh, issue, I, I think is, is a really cool way to go about uh, a book. And especially with someone like Leshcott, who, whose writing is so, uh, is so outside of, of the norm in a lot of ways, you know, has so many levels to it. I think showing different takes and different visuals with that, very unique writing style, I think brings something kind of new to the table and yeah. keeps it fresh. Um, and he's had great artists, you know, all the way through on all, all of those titles. Yeah. I never, I never don't like the art. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially the, the one I mentioned before, the assassins uh, love story thing, it was Trad Moore's art could be rather playful and cartoony at times, but the emotions and the action going on within the story were very hard hitting and gritty. So that backdrop against that content was really jarring, but in a in a fun and creative way. Mm-hmm. So like it just it it switches up the game each issue. And at the end of the day, like you collect it in a trade. I think that's coming out real soon. Uh, you're just gonna have from page to page, or every couple pages, you're gonna have a different presentation of this really great story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bob, like conceptually, what do you think about that, a book changing artists like that? I think it's great. The You're dealing with an indie book here, so mm-hmm. you're really having yeah. people who are of a more artistic bent coming at it, so it shouldn't be something that throws them. But as we were discussing Captain Marvel before, the change of art, arc to arc even in that situation, had people go, why, but why is the art different? Mm-hmm. But that was a more mainstream <laughs> sort of thing. So here... <laughs> I think it... Re- what? Just, why is the art different? Why is the rum gone? That's my... Get off my lawn, you crazy kids. That's my voice there. I think in this situation, it it plays up nicely to its audience. So I think it's a great concept. Awesome, awesome. Stevan, do you have any any thoughts about this concept? I think you've mostly covered it, but I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's kind of cool. So, cool. yeah. All right. All right. Stephanie approved. She did. She gave her thumbs up. Um, so this is from George Alexander and he says, Hey guys, so with the superhero TV show being the big thing right now, is there any other characters, whether a or C list that you would like to see get their own TV show? Bob. I have answered this before. I will answer in exactly the same way. I'd want a Zatanna television show, mm. a mystical detective. There'd be so many possibilities for weekly adventures or shorter arcs. Hmm. visually stunning because you can do so much with magic and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm Zatanna all the way. Who would be your Zatanna? Well, I had said Mia Kunis going back 
we first actually hmm. discussed this. I think she's just about to do television, right? Is she? I don't know. So. I, I don't thought know. she was doing some series. Somewhere. Would not surprise me. I've always liked her. She makes me laugh. She's she, pretty. She, she, those two things are very true. She is hilarious and she is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> which which is what that character requires. So mm. it would be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. There you go. Steve, any ideas for you? I have one. What is it? <gasps> Moon Knight. Moon Knight? Oh. Yeah. Nice. I would really, really love to see a Moon Knight. And in a presentation, I would like for it to be a cable show. Not a. I just finished watching. Uh, I marathoned True Detective mm-hmm. episodes one through eight in one shot. Well, two shots, two evenings, whatever. Um, I would really, really like a Moon Knight detective story in that presentation, but dealing with a real life character or just as real as they can make it. Um, and maybe even just real in the presentation of it alone and have it be fantastical and superhero y and all of that stuff. But the idea of getting a, like a really great actor uh, to do a multiple personalities, have that work its way into solving the cases and having to, to switch into different personalities to figure out different aspects of the case, maybe throw in a couple of other characters, but keep it very grounded and very, you know, not super dark but like weird, uh, maybe set it somewhere strange. It feels kind of isolated. Um, I just finished watching, like I said, I watched True Detective and uh, Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, you, you like actor performances? Mm. Holy shit. <laughs> I never would have expected this from mm. him. Phenomenal. Just out of this world good. Uh, if they could do something like that with a, with a Moon Knight character, I would be all for that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Stephanie. I just had one in it immediately like disappeared as soon as oh i think it could be cool to do like it doesn't have to be dc or marvel necessarily right no i did not say just a comic book um, character. i mean the league of extraordinary gentlemen could be mm-hmm. cool Ooh, I like the that. movie you know is like it's so bad i know it's so bad and yet i still enjoy it i like it i, I, enjoy <laughs> I like it a lot <laughs> like i know as far as the source material just for anyone who's like oh worse <laughs> but like really but i think that sh- that has so much potential to translate into like an amazing fun um you know adventure show um if anyone's seen the movie adele blancson which is also like based on um a comic book it was uh i think it was the screenplay was done by like luc besson uh and other stuff but it came out a few years ago besson 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 no i just, I, I love your slipping into french <laughs> and um I I think something along those lines with like the kind of style of anyone for anyone who has seen the movie um would fit really well in a TV series. Mm. And it could be, you know, just like hour episodes and short like 6 to 12 episodes a season and it would be really cool. Mm. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think that would be cool. Actually, I think that it's a really great concept. And lends itself very well to, to that, that format because it has so many you know characters mm-hmm. totally in it. You know, my, my problem is I think that the one I want to see done is... Well, they're already doing the one I want to see done because they're making The Flash. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there's that. But I, I think I think that, the you know, budget-wise, the Green Lantern universe is really hard to do in a, in a TV atmosphere. But I think 
the way that thing is laid out, A, it can be a procedural because it's about it's about space cops, basically. <laughs> and B, there are so many characters that I feel like a TV series is how you kind of develop them, you know, and, and do all the interpersonal relationships and kind of the political machinations of, of the Guardians and what happens there and why Sinestro ends up leaving and becoming, you know, who he is and all the other, you know, kind of ring bearers and, and what they what the, their things mean. You know, you've got like this you know, Game of Thrones, like, scenario with all these different, you know, mm. kind of battling factions. I think it'd be really, really awesome. I don't know if it's ever possible to do in the budget. I mean, you could. I mean, they do they do space shows all the time, but there's, it's a little bit more involved because you want the mm. battles and stuff, too, you know? But I think if you did that, you mentioned Game of Thrones. If you did that as an HBO eight-episode right. arc where yeah. now that money, lots of it can go to each episode. You're looking at a whole season mm. budget. And the effects, once you created them, the sets, once you created them, it's just once. Yeah, it's true. You use them season to season. You don't want it to go to Fox or NBC and have right. it get cheapened or worse, canceled after six episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But very, very good question. And kind of in tandem with that question, um, yeah, PB McAleer, I can't remember his last name right. McAleer. McAleer says, uh, greetings and salutations. With the planned TV shows from both DC and Marvel and their ever-expanding movie universes, do you worry that we're reaching saturation point for comic-inspired product? And could we see the public get tired of the stuff? Or is it just that the technology has finally caught up with the comics and can do the source material justice? In, in which case, this level of comic-inspired stuff is here to stay. Stephanie, what do you think? Sorry, so just to paraphrase, like comic book stuff, is it being too much like, is there too much of it? Yeah, is, is, is it getting to the point where we're getting to like a saturation point with TV and movies, or it's just the point where now technology is finally cut up where we can do these stories, and so that's why so many are coming out, and it's just kind of going to be another genre that's here to stay. I think, um, you know, I think it's a genre that's here to stay for the time being because, uh, you know, they've been around for a long time, and, you know, they previously they were pretty scattered throughout the years, and now they're, you know two three four of them coming out every year at least um but they're here to stay because they haven't been done well before with very few exceptions Mm -hmm. um and you know hollywood as we know is mostly out of ideas (laughs) and they're capitalizing on wow so all those times when we made shitty adaptations and no one bought movie tickets like so you mean like if we do good stories, people will buy tickets to these things? Well, let's do all of them. Yeah. So like they're starting to realize that there's good things that can be done with them. And I think they will be capitalizing on that until we say enough and stop buying tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Bob. I agree on the movie side of things. As we when we had Jeff on, we were talking about Thor. We sort of came to the agreement that it's its own genre now. Mm. It's broken away from action and science fiction into superhero movies, and it would take a huge string of really big flops for them to stop mining comic books for movies. For television, however, you're not dealing with these big budget things. It's all about story, all about acting, all about hooking audiences week after week after week. I think there you could run into a situation where if mm. you make a couple of bad ones, it's over. Mm. And they'll move on to the next set of police procedurals or fish-out-of-water comedies or whatever they're, they're going to go to next. Right. Medical shows will come back mm-hmm. or so on and so forth. 
So I, I think there it's a split split ballot for me. Movies, yes. TV, wait and see. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I I I agree. I think that uh, this is I I I agree with you, Bob. I think the movie thing is kind of here to stay because we're dealing with a a genre now. It's just another kind of action movie is really what it is. And then hopefully we get more kind of variations on the theme of what they're usually about. I think in TV though, it's going to, it's almost becoming the same thing or it could become the same thing. Cause you look at something like Gotham, which is coming out from Fox. I think it's going to be pretty much a police procedural, except it's going to have characters from the, you know, the, the, the Batman universe. And I think that it comes to, there's gonna come to a point where people, when they watch it, aren't even going to think of it like, Oh, I'm watching a comic book TV show. It's just me. Oh, this is a TV show with these characters who I've heard of before. It's going to be like Elementary, you know, on CBS, okay. which is Sherlock Holmes characters. But you know, people don't think this is a Sherlock Holmes series. They just think this is the CBS series, which happens to have characters that remind me or are named after characters that you know are, appear in this really famous piece of literature. I like that. That's you know, good. that's what I feel like. I mean, there will be shows, obviously, like Arrow and Flash. And Constantine looks like they're they're very much like these are comic book shows, but stuff like Gotham. That to me, the announcement of Gotham is that first appearance to me where it's like, okay, now this is starting to become ultra mainstream because this is the kind of show that your mom would watch, you know. But it so happens to have you know Batman, little Batman mm-hmm. in it. So that's what I think, Steve. I don't know. What about you? Uh, I think in regard to television, that they're just now starting to fit, to find out what works. And what people like uh, Arrow is a we always go back to that, but it's a really good, you know, modern now times way of, of looking at comic book shows that that had a rough start, mm-hmm. but it, it did have its people that had a lot of faith in it and loved the character and kept trucking with it. And then at s- some point, you know, whether it be halfway through season one or at the end of season one, whatever, it really spoke onto a much bigger audience because they decided to go with the way it was supposed to be to mm-hmm. begin with. And like I said, when they, when the viewership picked up and they found out that people were into that and not only were they into it, they were into it more. They hit on something that other people, other people making these shows are going to look at and say, you know, do you see this week to week pacing how, you know, at the end of every episode, they leave you with something and they're building and they're building and they're building a world all these characters are coming in and they're well represented. Uh, it's going to come down to the writers and it's going to come down to the actors as well. But I think that we're television is ready to have a series of great shows. Even they could be comic related or not. And not all of them have been wild successes. Something like agent of shield has had a really, really rough time on in its run so well, far. Critically it's watched critically. by like 10 yeah. times more people than no, arrow pe- is, but people keep tuning yeah. in but they, they watch it and then they go and they gripe and mm. they this and they that and the actors are coming forward and being like, well, look, you know, we're trying to make you, you know, a nice show and yeah. you guys keep shitting on every idea that we have. Yeah. Um, did you see Joe Hill's like rant about it? I did. No. Yeah. He was like, if you don't like this show and you like Firefly, just shut the fuck up. Basically is what he said. <laughs> He's like, because it's the same thing except with superhero characters. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what he said. It wow. was really funny. He went a huge rant about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in regard to movies. I, I said this, I, I spoke to my friend Jay and a while back before Iron Man 3 came out and before we had Thor 2, he was telling me how you know, early buzz was that they weren't very good and Marvel's headed in this dark direction and people aren't going to be into it and 
people already started to tire of the comic book universe making its way into the theaters. I told him that he was completely off his rocker and I didn't believe him and I still don't believe him. And I honestly think that with Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, that it's going to pave the way and kind of break open the doors for people to try other things. I think eventually that you'll see image book, image related, Mm. um, Lock and Key will come out. Mm. Lock and Key will come out. It will be a uh, trilogy, a horror related trilogy based on one of the greatest comics ever written, in Mm. my opinion. And I think, again, the doors are going to be busted open and people are going to see that there's all this potential. Um, It's like when we were doing the radio thing and we were like left to say like one thing. I said, you know, check out comic books. There's so many, just because it's, it's comic books and they still to this day have a little bit of a stigma. There's so many amazing stories and they're visual stories. Why would they not translate well to film if they were handled by the right people? So I think both of them are just going to go up, up, up. If it lasts another 10, 15 years, 20 years, whatever, uh, it's just going to keep on going up. People are interested. Mm, and absolutely. people are, 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 you know, it's a, it's a whole other genre for yeah. us to sink our teeth into for years to come. Bring it on. Mm, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so this is from uh, Chris uh, Sison. And he says, I know um, a lot of people want this. And I know Kevin Feige has already mentioned that this character really could get her own film. But I, I, if but if we were actually to get a Captain Marvel film, who do you think could be a great casting choice for Carol Danvers? And do you think Kelly Sue DeConnick should be a cons- consultant like how Ed Brubaker was on Captain America: The Winter Soldier? Bob. Yes, to that second one, obviously. <laughs> it's important to have someone who's created the storyline that you're going to use as a movie at least have input maybe they have some insight into what makes the character tick as opposed to coming at it cold, looking at it from the outside. Even if you read the books, it's not the same as having written the books. That's my point on that, I think. I can't say much I think. more. <laughs> I think that's my point on it. I think that's all I need to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I shouldn't have cut you off. That's okay. Off. <laughs> Bob, keep on going. Well. Casting. Oh, okay. But look, we we <laughs> um we have said that we there's one name we're going to throw out because we're all going to say it. So Katie Sackhoff should yeah. be Captain Marvel. Probably will be. Mm-hmm. Barring that, I've got a couple. Uh, back when we were discussing Wonder Woman, way way back, Stephanie brought up the name of an actress who I really enjoy in a lot of things, Gemma Arterton. Mm-hmm. She'd have to put a wig on or change her hair, but she's mm-hmm. broad-shouldered, take no crap kind of gal that could really work. And I would also think Olivia Trilby from Dread and mm. Juno might make this mm. work. Interesting that you say that. <laughs> Why is it Bob, in- <laughs> just quickly saying, though, too, like Katie Sackhoff, you're saying you think would be the choice. But I actually, so. Emily Blunt um, and Ruth Wilson, who's from the TV show Luther, she plays Alice, and Yvonne Strahovski are the people that are being thrown around mm-hmm. so far. I mean, they, uh, Katie Sackhoff said uh, it was a couple months ago, I think it was, that she was talking to Marvel about something. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Who knows? I mean, we don't have no idea who's going to cast yeah, anybody. And the, and the rumor at that point was flying around was they were asking her what her schedule was like for now. Right. Yeah. Which led everyone to think, ooh. Yeah. Appearance in one of these upcoming movies yeah. somewhere. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about this, about casting and about uh, if they should ask Kelly Sue to be a consultant? Uh, 100% on the Kelly Sue thing. 
I think all these movies need to start bringing creators on board that know what they're talking about. And even if they're not really giving them a full-time gig looking at the screen or the script and everything, just being like, does this feel like the character to you? And, you know, mm-hmm. if not, how can we make this more Carol Danvers? How can we make this more Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel? However, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important that they have somebody, you know, on board so we don't have catastrophes like Fantastic Four. <laughs> um, but that being said, as far as casting go, um, I already mentioned you have, uh, Yvonne Strahovski, who's from the most well-known from the TV series Chuck, who I think would actually make a pretty good Captain Marvel. But yeah, I really loved her on that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's kind of like she's again she's scrawny and stuff like she's thin, but I think she kicks ass and she can mm-hmm. you know really put herself in the role. I definitely wouldn't call her um, scrawny. <laughs> well, she's not. She's yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking. <laughs> I don't know, but anyways, not scrawny. She's yeah. thin. Yes. Um. But outside of that, if Allie Larder was a good actress, <laughs> but she, is she not. would have the look. Um, Charlize Theron. Yeah, Charlize Theron was one of the ones mm, I was thinking about. Yeah. Yes. And then also, if Pink somehow managed to be a good actress, she could really look like Captain <laughs> Marvel. She looks like her, definitely. Yeah. And then maybe if they're going for someone younger, Amber Heard. Oh, Amber Heard is very I like yeah. her. Yeah, she's good. That could work. Yeah. Those she are, was good in that are, not very good John Carpenter movie. I like that movie. <laughs> I like her. Yes. I, I don't know. She's fun. Isn't she also in Drive Angry? She is. Yeah. Which I watched on like yep. Christmas Day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for some reason. I knew that. Steve, what, what do you got for us? Uh, younger, I like the idea. Yvonne mm-hmm. uh, Strahovski. I really enjoyed her role in uh, Chuck. Mm-hmm. I she looks the part, yeah. and I, I think that given the chance, she could definitely rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to go a little bit more mature, I would actually bring in Lena Headey mm. from Game of Thrones fame. Uh, and her, her role in... It was actually her role in Dread. That's why I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, she was awesome yeah. in that movie. She was so good. She's always awesome. She is great as Sarah Connor, so yeah. that would make me think she could definitely get. She's so good, yeah. Sarah Connor. Down. I love that she's, show so much. Yeah. She's good. Like she's she's really good. But it was that movie that really mm. woke me up to the idea of just how awesome she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, think you know again either wig or do the hair and mm-hmm. you know well, that's easily done in this day and age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would love to see her in the role. I, I think she'd do it justice. I don't know. That's that's me. Yeah, you guys have said a lot of people that I that I was thinking. Um, Absolutely yes on the Kelly Sue. Obviously, I think that what Stephanie oh, was saying, too, yes. what you were saying, like it's to get uh, the uh, to get people on on the kind of the team. At least as a, as a consultant, I don't think she needs to write the movie, but I think that uh, as a consultant about the character and where she's taking it, if they're going with that this version of the character, mm-hmm. I think it is is the right thing you know to do there. Um, I, you know, I think Charlize Theron obviously it would be an awesome choice. Um, I was thinking uh, Jennifer Morrison, who is was in House and she, now she's in Once Upon a Time. I hate her so much. Okay. Well, obviously, she does <laughs> no. not deserve to get any work. She would have the look. She would have the look. Yes, she definitely has the look. Um, I'm not super familiar with her as an actress. I mean, I've seen her more in House than I have. I'm, I've watched like three episodes once upon a time, so I don't know much about that show. She's, she in that I'm watching right now. Um, but uh, she is very good in House. So that's that's why I picked that. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone else everyone said, I mean, like we said before, I think that Kay Sackhoff is perfect. She's basically played the role before. 
Yeah, Starbucks. So, yeah. <laughs> Carol. Yeah, so thank you very much uh, for that question. Um, Boy Ackerman wants to know if any of us have ever ventured into European comics, like Asterix, Tintin, or Lucky Luke. And if we have, what our thoughts on them are. Bob, have you ever ventured in? I did read some Tintin back in the day when it was a cartoon show on television. Uh, read some Peter O'Donnell Modesty Blaze, which is more comic strip than mm. comic book. Not a heck of a whole lot. Seen some asterisk over the years. Mm. Not too much. Not too otherwise. much. Stephanie, what about you? Any European comics? You're our resident. I read comics that not everybody else reads. <laughs> um, No, actually. You know, I think those are things that people either get into when they're really young or just kind of unintentionally pass over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was never something that I had access to. Um, I've seen the Tintin movie, <laughs> which I really liked. Yes, it was very good. Uh, Steve, any, any of the European comics for you? I have never read them, but would absolutely love to get the chance to read Tintin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I, think, I think you could probably achieve that goal. I probably could. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and, I, and I echo Stephanie's sentiments on the movie. The movie was... Oh, the animation the yeah. animation in that movie, it was like, it was like Uncharted meets Tintin. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. That scene in like the, the town when he's yeah. on like the clothesline and stuff like that. Everything about fantastic. it. They're on the water yeah. and oh, oh, I love it. <laughs> love it. I love the dog. I can't remember his name right now. Snowy. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> My parents have a snowy dog. And Captain Haddock. Yes. Captain Haddock is very good. Yes. Um, we're gonna, we'll close off with, with this question though. It's a good one. It's a fun one. <laughs> If superheroes, this is from Blanks on uh, the, the, the forum, which you can go to if you go to ah, Craig. Talking Comics, talkingcomicbooks.com and click on forum. Yes, Craig. Uh, you, can, you can join the forums and comment there. So here we go. If superheroes were like wrestlers and had theme songs, what would they be? Pick a hero and his theme song. Bob, go. Just one? Okay. We get more than one. Okay. Well, we're doing all this Captain Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Why don't we go uh, around? Go around we'll go around. Time. One at a time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, up where we belong. Okay. Nice. Um, Steve. Uh, Clint Barton comes out to Beastie Boys sabotage. Okay. <laughs> Stephanie. I still haven't thought of any good ones. Well, give us one of your bad ones then. Um. Bane, Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> Shut up, Steve. Okay. I also had Captain Marvel, TNT by ACDC. Ooh. <laughs> a little The Edge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bob. Aquaman under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> like the Little Mermaid? Yeah. Do, do, okay. do, 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 do. Or you could actually add on to that one and do, um, what's the one? Somewhere. Beyond. Beyond the, I wrote that one down too. Yeah, the yeah. Bobby Darren. Little Bobby Darren. Yeah. 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 Oh Steve, God. what do you got for us? Uh, I'm going to go villains okay. and uh, say Electro. I don't know the name of the song, but Electro comes out to that song. You got the touch. You got the power. I think it's called The Touch. Nice. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. So, so Electro comes the out to The song from the Transformers movie? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just making sure. Um, Stephanie, you want to give us another one? <laughs> I'm just thinking of really terrible ones. Mm-hmm. Lobo comes out to Ricky Martin's Living La Vida Loca, but they've changed the words. <laughs> Living will be in a Lobo. Yes. yes, that would oh, work. Oh boy! That would be All good. right. So I've got. You tell you <laughs> inside out. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Yep. I've got the Flash coming out to the distance by Cake. 
Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Interesting. He's going for distance. He's going. For he's speed. going for speed. <laughs> Bob? I think this does have to be the villainous version of this character as opposed to the dreamier or mm-hmm. golden age version, but the Sandman to Metallica's Enter Sandman. I mean, oh. Please. Oh, <laughs> nice. but, you, but you could do the old version to the Mr. Sandman. Man, yes. Bring me, bring me a dream. There you go. Nice. You have to do both on that on that front. Steve. Uh another villain. I want and I'll go I'll jump on uh Bob's Metallica. I want Doctor Doom to come out to For Whom the Bell Tolls. Okay. You can imagine mm-hmm. smoke billowing up. I have I have one that you could use that for too, but it's a character you've never heard of. It's a Howard the Duck villain called Doctor Bong. There you go. Who had a, who had a bell on no, his head. Man, get he some a, Bob Marley going off that a, guy. <laughs> Past the Gentlemen. duchy. Past the duchy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ah, uh, shot the shot. <laughs> Stephanie. Um, let's see. Oh, I just had one. Let's see. Uh, Black Widow comes out to Jets. Are you gonna be my girl? But she's not. <laughs> the answer is no to that question, Jet. <laughs> um, all right. The last one I have is I have Green Lantern. Coming out to Pure Imagination from Willy Wonka Aww. and the Chocolate Factory. Interesting. <laughs> nice. Bob. Aww. Well, something no one's ever heard of, but did everyone ever watch the old Mike Hammer television show, the one with Stacey Keach? No. It was in reruns. Okay, anyway. <laughs> well, um, there's a song that they played there. It's an, it's an old instrumental, most famous by a fellow named Earl Bostic, an alto saxophone player called Harlem Nocturne. Very moody sort of thing. And Luke Cage, that's what he would <laughs> come out to. Very detective y. Think, you know, rain slicked streets. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Steve, you got anything else? I had one. It's gone? No, hold on. Oh, damn it. Daredevil it. coming out to Blinded by the Light. That's all. <laughs> no, it's, yes. Oh, the thing comes out to like a rock. Okay. okay. <laughs> Very depressing. <laughs> it's all right. It's true, it's true. Stephanie, do you have any others for us? Oh uh, yeah, I had one. I'm trying to think of what it is. Um, hang on. Oh uh, what is it? Bob, do you have one to throw in there? Well I say I saved the best one. Okay, well, well it's it? my best one mm-hmm. anyway. Well, it's Hulk Hogan's theme song. Shouldn't Captain America come out to real American? That is what Corrects said on the, really? the forums. Oh, cool. He said Captain America could steal Hulk Hogan's <laughs> yeah. original theme. I am a real American, fight for the rights of every man. Yeah, what about, what about li- uh living in America? That could be one. From Rocky Four. Yeah. yeah, that works. <laughs> he also said... Uh, but not Neil Diamond's America. No. No. Uh, he also said Thor could come out to Led Zeppelin's Cashmere. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or... um, oh, What is that? Um, the... the, oh, the yeah. No, if I had a hammer. Why the hell am I blanking on this? I know this. The Immigrant Song. No. Oh, the Immigrant Song. That would be awesome. Yeah, totally. I remembered mine. Go ahead, Stephanie. Close us out. Animal Man comes out to I Am the Walrus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a good way to close it off. If you guys want to get in contact with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com or Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Thank you so much to everyone who, who wrote in, and we will do another one of these very, uh, very soon. I um, want to hear what everyone else comes yes, up with. Yes, absolutely. Like in the forums. Hugh's really good about putting up the uh, – post for the week up on the forums but i think you guys should all tell us what yours would be yeah so hugh will put up the the podcast official podcast thread tomorrow and then we want to hear all your responses to 
what theme songs, wrestling theme songs, heroes should come out to. It doesn't have to be an already established wrestling theme song. Just what you think they'd walk out to <laughs> if they were, in fact, wrestlers. You know, someone's out there or talking. Or they were just superheroes that happened to be wrestling. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Either way, like Spider-Man. Yeah. That's how he started, how he got his start. Little known before he broke into the big time. He's like The Rock. <laughs> or, 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 or Macho Man. Yeah. yeah that's the case. Exactly. Ooh. Exactly. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yes. Um, <laughs> Need a little excitement. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, guys, absolutely. Let us know what your, yours are, and we'll, we'll read them out next week on the show. Um, in the next few weeks, guys, I, I we, uh, we're planning out some uh, Captain America content for the week the Winter Soldier comes out. Um, Steve's been doing a, a running a book club uh, about the Winter Soldier arc, the original Winter Soldier arc uh, yeah. from Ed Brubaker. Indeed. Um, we are going to be doing a history of Captain America with, with, with Bob. Um, we are trying to put together another radio play uh, dealing with the first ever Captain America story. Sweet. Where hopefully yeah. Stephanie will be voicing Bucky Barnes. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and also... Working on some interviews, one of which I can talk about now. Uh, we have booked Steve Englehart, um, big-time Captain America writer. What, the, the second longest run on the character or the longest run on the character? The longest run might be Mark Grunwald. Okay. It might have been Stan, but Englehart, to me, has the best. The best run on the character. Ooh. So who Bob thinks, who is one of the biggest Captain America fans you'll ever meet in your entire life, has the best run on the character, will be on our show. Um, you'll hear that the week that the Winter Soldier is coming out. Um, we're going to talk to him about Captain America, what he's been doing lately as well. I'm really, really excited to talk to Steve Englehart. Uh, you know, we don't get as many veteran creators as we'd want on the show, and this is a big one for us to get. So I'm very excited to talk to him. And in the next week or so, we will put out a call for questions from people if they have any questions uh, for Mr. Englehart about his Captain America work. Yeah. Someone ask about his Doctor Strange, please, or otherwise I will. He did a great <laughs> Doctor Strange with Frank Bruner. Oh. oh, it's just amazing stuff. I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that question mm-hmm. if you ask him. Hmm. I'll try not to gush too much. <laughs> Do I mean to ask it, Bob? Sure. He also right. did a very big Batman run, right? Yep. A very well Marshall received. Rogers. Yes, yeah. He was writing Avengers and Defenders at the same time as writing Captain America, basically. Oh, wow. He was Marvel's go-to guy for oh, wow. a good long period in the early gotcha. 70s. Awesome, awesome. I can't, I can't wait to talk to him. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we had another episode of The Misfits is up, talking about uh, Studio Ghibli. Correct, Stephanie? Yes, that is right. Uh, it went up on Monday, and if you haven't listened, please take a chance to go check it out because this is this was a really great show, really great discussion in my opinion. I had a lot of fun talking with Zoe uh, and Mara. Melissa stepped out uh, for the week due to a migraine, and we uh, she is replaced temporarily with Zoe uh, Gluckson. So it was a good show, a lot of fun. Please check it out. Bob, may I chime in here? I am hooked. I watched Howl's Moving Castle yesterday, which I really, really loved, and completely am over the moon about Kiki's Delivery Service. Yes. It's one of the best things I've seen in many, many years. Have you seen Spirited Away? No, my library doesn't have it. I have it. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad Bob uh, Bob sent the loveliest email. Like Every time you get an email from Bob, it's like getting this Aww. heartfelt, handwritten letter um, <laughs> received in the in your mailbox uh and it was very nice to hear that you checked out these movies and i'm so glad that you love them grave of the fireflies is beautiful but i promise you if you watch it though it'll tear your soul apart so (laughs) it's tears caution 
Well, I, as I wrote to you, Steph, I was watching Kiki with a big smile on my face, most of the time crying though at the beauty of it. <laughs> it was touching and wonderful and just, how did I never see this? Now, sitting at home, I have my neighbor Totoro and okay. Princess Mononoke, which the library oh, also God. had. So there's the same right. waiting for me as I go. We're going to be meeting at the shop later. I have the Studio Ghibli collection like at least nine films on DVD, I will loan it to you. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And that's what I love about it too. I love Stephanie that you did that because it just it broadens the kind of scope of what we do here and to talk about devote a whole show to that. Not something not something we can do on this show and that you guys use yeah. your platform to do it, I think is, is really fantastic. It's, it's been really great too and we've been having really awesome conversations on Twitter and in the forums with people that are just, you know, Mara really uh because she's really into academia, like she's been going into these really deep talks about the themes and stuff with everyone who is interacting with her. And it's incredible to see like these different sides of these movies that I've loved for years. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see Bob, like you were, you know, you said that you were checking these out for the first time, mm-hmm. but like my heart like warmed, grew, grew three sizes. <laughs> when I saw all these people saying that they were checking out these movies because they listened to the show, like, mm-hmm. thank you so much for, you know, enjoying what we say enough and taking our word for it that you will love these movies. Cause if you don't like, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't love at least one hmm. of their movies. That's, you know, tried them mm-hmm. for all those people who don't get the chance. I'll say thank you for doing the show you did. Uh, feels so, in here. Fe- all these feelings. Um, <laughs> there's also, uh, you know, obviously, a new episode of Talking Movies went up t- tonight. They're discussing uh, Requiem for a Dream. They're doing a, they're they're doing a lead up of Darren Aronofsky movies to uh, the release of Noah nice. coming out, which they'll review at the end of the month. They did the Wrestler last week, and this week they did, they did Requiem. I'm not sure what they're doing next week, but check that out as well. Um, Brian Verderosa and Chris Olifana have been doing a great job uh, over there, and uh, you guys will hear it on Thursday. Tomorrow, we are recording the first episode of Talking Games. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. Our video game Dude. podcast is going to feature Steve, uh, Justin Townsend, uh, Jackie Turner, and myself. Um, we will be discussing kind of next tomorrow. Will be Well, next this week will be kind of getting to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys will get to know the host and what games we love and what our tastes are. You know, obviously, you know Steve and I very, very well, but Justin and Jackie, not, not as much. So you guys will get to, get to know them very well. And we'll be talking about the games we've been playing. Uh, don't we have a, a rotating seat? We do as well. I was going to get that. Rob Newmeyer, who everyone who listens to this show knows very, very well, at least from either from us talking about him or hearing him on the show itself. Yes. Um, we'll be uh, rotating um, in as well. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun time. You know, it's going to be another expansion for us. And I'm really looking forward to, to digging in. Um, uh, Steve will be hosting uh, that show as I will be a uh, mostly regular member, but have to rotate out at, at times. Indeed. Um, so, so be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we will, guys, we'll let you know. We have a Twitter and everything. We'll, we, we'll be tweeting out about that uh, tonight and tomorrow and let you guys know where it's going to be. It will go up on Talking Comics. Um, so that way it will be kind of the same. And I'm not sure what we're going to do exactly. Uh, we're either going to start a new feed first off or we'll do what we did the Misfits and put one episode on the Talking Comics feed so you guys can hear it and see if you right. guys like you can sample it see if you like it and then we'll have our own feed. yeah and we'll be creating uh, threads inside of the forums as well so yeah. you guys can interact with us send us your questions your comments and all that stuff let us know how we're doing and uh, it's going to be a place it's going to be very casual uh, we're going to try to keep it at a reasonable length and 
we're just we're gonna focus on games that we love and games that we're currently 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 <laughs> and uh you know we got we got a really good cast for you and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna talk about maybe bigger news items but try to keep this about the games and about the people that are playing the games mm. and just old school new school and everything in between we're gonna go all over the place i have several ideas uh we'll have video content some uh let's play content and uh basically just little mini shows even if they're 10 or 15 minute clips of games going from the mm. dreamcast to game boy uh, i got all kinds of stuff set up uh and plenty of systems to choose from and an ocean of games yeah It'll be cool. And uh, someone asked us in one of the questions what we thought of Dark Souls. You'll have to listen to yeah. the video game podcast to hear that. And there'll be plenty of discussion yes, about, there will be. about Dark Souls. <laughs> Souls As it is, of the day. It has consumed my brain Souls for the last of the week. Lost. <laughs> Maybe so you should good. do one of those marathons that they used to do with the dance marathons that went on for days. You play one of these games to the completion, just sitting in front of the television <laughs> for like 30 yeah, hours yeah, yeah, and yeah. just keep feeding each other coffee. Yeah. Right? It's Dark Souls. It'll be a while. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, actually, I mean, one of the things I thought about even before we started this video game thing is that I, they do it once a year. They do think of Extra Life, which is a marathon of yeah. video game playing to raise money for charity. So we'll definitely do that oh. when, when that when that comes along. But, awesome. Yeah. I hope you guys like that and you guys can hear that on Thursday. We'll let you know when, when, when that goes up. Um, but thank you guys so much for, for, for listening to us, listening to all the shows we've been putting out. Um, we announced last week we're going to be doing a, a kind of a, a Kickstarter, a fundraiser on PodFund for, for our show. We're ironing out the details now. You can expect that probably late next week. We'll have that all ready to go and up for you guys. And hopefully you guys will uh, will get, kick in a few bucks. But thank you guys so much for all the ridiculous amount of support you've given us. Uh, we love you guys a, a, a ton. Um, if you want to get through with us personally, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, so that is going to do it. No, it's not going to do it. Bob has something. Oh my, the releases. I just I forgot. <laughs> it's all right. I don't want to do it. I don't want right. to. I don't want to find out how much money I'm going to spend. This is a, this is a brutal day. It is a brutal. Spoilers! Really brutal it's all day. the money. It's all the money. All the monies. All right, here we go. All right. Just so the releases. Big vortex for Wednesday, March nineteenth. Um, Let's see. From Archie Comics, we have Fox number five and Sonic the Hedgehog number two fifty eight. From Avatar Press, we have Crossed Badlands number forty nine, God is Dead number nine, and Gravel Combat Magician number two. <laughs> uh, from Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time number twenty six, Clockwork Angels number one, Curse number three of four, uh, Loki Ragnarok and Roll number two. Um, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got. BPRD Hell on Earth number 117. We've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer season 10 number 1. Got Dark Horse Presents number 34. Um, we've got Skyman number 3. Star Wars Darth Vader and the City of Shadows number 4. Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Force War number 5. Strain the Fall number 9. Terminator Enemy of My Enemy number 2 of 6. White Suits number 2 of 4. Mm. And Witcher number 1 of 5. Um, from DC Comics, we have American Vampire Second Cycle, number one. Yeah. Um, the first time that book's been back, like, ongoing in a year. Yep. Um, Scott Snyder's been saying on Twitter that it's very much a jumping on point for people who have not been reading the book. That's excellent. Uh, Animal Man, number 29, which is the final issue of that book. <gasps> yeah. yeah. It's done. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, a tear. <laughs> Batman 66, number nine. Batman and Aquaman. Number 29. Sweet. Uh, Batman Beyond Universe, number eight. 
We've got Batwoman number 29, Birds of Prey number 29, um, Green Lantern, New Guardians number 29, Harley Quinn number 4. New artist, by the way. Oh, really? Stefan Rue. Oh, okay. Interesting. Red Hood and the Outlaws number 29, Scribble Knots Unmasked, A Crisis of Imagination number 3. We've got Suicide Squad, number 29, Supergirl, number 29, Superman Unchained, number 6. I feel like it's been forever. forever. Yeah, forever. Mm. Uh, Trinity of Sin Pandora, number 9, Unwritten Volume 2, Apocalypse, number 3, and Wonder Woman, number 29. From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Badass, number 3, Battlestar Galactica, number 9, Grimm, number 11. We've got Legendary, a steampunk adventure, number 3. Ooh, let's see if the numbers hold up. We've got Shadow number twenty three and Spider number eighteen. Master of Men. Um, <laughs> he is. I know. I know. From IDW, we've got GI Joe number fourteen. We've got Illegitimates number four. We've got Magic: The Gathering, Theros number five. Max Maximize number five. We've got My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic number seventeen. Wow. Other Dead number six. Popeye Classic number twenty. Samurai Jack number six. We've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ultram Empire, number three. We've got Transformers Regeneration 1, number 100. And we've got Transformers. Well, now it's too easy because it has to be robots if it follows regeneration. Is that, for, is that the pattern? Is that your final answer? No, it is. I, no. I'm, yeah. No, we just read Transformers Regeneration. Oh. So it's going to have to be Transformers Robots in Disguise. I don't even have to think about this one. <laughs> There's some time, logic. Whip some logic out there. Next time I'm gonna. <laughs> next time I'm gonna mess it up. I'm gonna switch it around. Okay. <laughs> Image Comics. We have Aphrodite nine, number nine. Five Ghosts, number ten. The Fuse, number two. <laughs> Ghosted, number eight. Lazarus, number seven. Prophet, number forty-three. Rocket Girl, number four. Yes. Sex Criminals, number five. Hell yeah. Um, Saga Volume 3, the trade paperback is out. Ooh. Sovereign, number one. Ten Grand, number eight. Undertow, number two. Voice in the Dark, number five. And Zero, number six. You know what we need? We need one of those, like, how many of them, however many days from, since an accident yeah. and do it for Bob's Transformers. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm on a roll. He is on a roll. I don't know the last time he got it wrong. Uh, for Marvel Comics, we've got All New Invaders, number three. Avengers World, number four. Daredevil, number one. Yeah. Dexter Down Under, number two. Disney Kingdom Seekers of the Weird, number three. Iron Man, number 23 point now. We've got uh, Marvel Knights Hulk, number four. We've got Miss Marvel, number two. Yes. Sweet. New Avengers, number 15. Nova, number 15. Revolutionary War, Warheads, number one. Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number 10. Superior Spider-Man Annual, number two. Thor, God of Thunder, number 20. Thunderbolts, number 23. Uncanny X-Men, number 19 point now. Winter Soldier, The Bitter March, number two. Wolverine, and the X-Men, number two. We've got X-Men, number 12. <clears throat> Jesus. Oni Press, Letter 44, number five. Oh, nice. Six Gun, number 39. Wasteland, number 52. Um... Let's see what else we got here. Valiant. We have Harbinger, Bleeding Monk, number zero. We've got Shadow Man, number 16, and Exo Man of War, number 23. And from Xenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales Presents, Robin Hood, Legend, number one, Wonderland, number 21, and Wonderland Asylum, number three. And that's all the releases. That's all. That's it? Just those six billion there aren't books anymore? that you I sure? just read out. Look again. I'm, I won't look again because I'm not going to spend any more money than I'm already going to spend. Um, so those are the releases for this week. And that is going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve, 
Later. Bob. Good night. And Stephanie. Au revoir. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>